Wednesday night. Wednesday night. <laughs> some some would say. Yeah, it kind of feels like the first time, no? <laughs> Does kind of feel like the first time. 39 episodes in. Welcome to <laughs> Granny's PC, everybody. Welcome to the 39th episode. And yes, 30. it always does feel like the first time every week. It, it does. Every week, I'm like, it feels like the first time because I'm like, I don't remember when I'm supposed to be here. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what's going on, just like the first time. Yeah, but we're here. Thank you for joining us, whether if it's on the Facebook stream, if you're joining us on YouTube, if you're joining us on Instagram or Twitter, or if you're joining us in the audio-only versions, thank you so much for the support. Uh, yeah, we're super excited about tonight's episode. Uh, we got a lot of DC uh, stuff to break down with the CW-verse. You know, we got a big Supergirl series finale amongst That's the right. other episodes. We got some more Doom Patrol, and we got the latest MCU film, Eternals, which everyone seems to be talking about these days. Yeah. So we got a lot to, as we were just saying, a lot of meat on the bone. Let it be on the bone <laughs> for this episode of Granny's Peach Tea, or maybe, <laughs> or maybe some would say a lot of piss in the jar tonight. A lot of piss in the jar. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I call it piss tonight. I I think we got a lot of peach tea in the jar tonight to to sift around, you know, to get the tannins of. I like it. I like it. Um, all right. So, um, I guess we got to do. We do got to start off though with our repercussions from many episodes ago many episodes that ago, we, we wronged the great David Hasselhoff. So Jason, hit us, all, hit us with your Baywatch nights for tonight. All right. So this, let me just say this. So Tim was on last, last week and he said, you text me when there's another really good episode of Baywatch nights. And I did not text him this week. So, <laughs> say, so. not great. Not great. I mean, it's not bad. You know, it, it's one of the mill stuff. So, here are the highlights, right? So the reason Mitch gets hired is because he's a lifeguard, and this is like a lifeguard-related mystery, a water-related mystery. And I think they heard, the writers heard Tim through some sort of time tunnel last week when he said, when is this guy ever like doing the lifeguard stuff? Because this opens with him on the beach being a lifeguard. Wow, so they remembered that Mitch Buchanan – is a lifeguard. They did, in fact, remember Mitch Buchanan was a lifeguard, and he's there. And Donna Derrico, uh, it goes there, and she's like, she gets all like, you know, sexy and get gets her like her swimsuit on, and he's like, oh, you're coming for a swim, and she's like, nope, I'm becoming a, uh, I'm becoming a lifeguard. So what? We're introducing another <laughs> lifeguard to Baywatch Nights so that we could forget that they're lifeguards. I mean, that's yeah. Um. Overall, there's a, a thief who scuba dives onto rich people's boats and uh, steals their safe, steals, takes, opens their safe, steals their jewels, fences it because he's trying to get her wrongly imprisoned brother out of prison. Mitch and her get it on. And wow. then she gets killed at the end. Uh, you know, so <laughs> that was it. That, that's that's the episode. It's crazy. Uh, not not as, there's no, look, there's no shaft. There's no chicken. Those are the benchmarks. Shaft, chicken. Uh, you know, uh, David Hasselhoff and drag. Those are my benchmarks for this show. Doesn't hit that. I enjoyed it, but you know what? This one guys, you can skip. Wow. Okay. Skipping two weeks in a row of Baywatch nights. I mean, you know, it, it's it, look. they started strong. I mean, look, how many episodes was I raving about this show for about just how crazy it is. 
it's slowing down. But I hear, from what I understand, because I remember watching, remember a while back they had We Love the 90s and We Love the 2000s or whatever yeah, it was, right? Yeah, I remember those. I like those. So I did too. I love them. I watched them all. So I remember they did a little thing on Baywatch Nights, which is why I was so interested in, in like, kind of visiting it. Because apparently, they at some point, they get supernatural. And I'm just oh, waiting boy. for that. I'm just waiting for when Mitch and the gang are getting supernatural and fighting monsters and stuff. And if that doesn't happen, I'm going to be so mad at We Love the 90s for lying to me. That has to happen now. I mean, that's going to fit right in with our show, like, ironically, that that's how it I, happened. I know, I know. That's This is like a comic book in the making. Dude, let's do it. Let's contact the Hoff and get, like, a Baywatch Nights comic series going. That would, that would be great. They can pick up where they left off, and they can Ex do a season three, four, five in a comic book form. Exactly. And we could, we could pitch it to Marvel, so then then we can get Hasselhoff part of the MCU as we planned this whole time. Wow, we, we've got some wild ambitions completely out of left field right now. <laughs> uh, all I'm saying is, uh, David Hasselhoff, if you ever hear this, I will work on this with you. Let's do this together, brother. I'm on hassling the Hoff. I'm promoting the Hoff. I'm with you, and I think. Well, listen, why don't you just have, why don't you just have Mitch Buchanan have a car that happens to talk as well? Let's just go all in. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's let's and let's make him. Let's make his partner a wizard, and uh, and and it's a new comic, so we got to get Spider. We got to shill out Spider Man, the Fantastic Four, of course. Of course. right? <laughs> Which is funny, you and I had that conversation when we saw the Eternals yesterday. Yeah. And then I had so my dedication to the show, viewers, is that I literally had parent teacher conference tonight. I spent hours talking to parents in rapid five minute blips of succession. And I'm still here to prove that what everyone says about me is that I never shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, but um i st when i had a i had a couple of minutes here and there i was reading some old spider-man comics like i said i was going to mm -hmm. and um i didn't realize i mean i knew this but i didn't actually think about it like when spider-man was new and unsure they were like pimping out the fantastic four there's no reason the fantastic four needs to be in that chameleon issue no no <laughs> he breaks into baxter building and goes hey i've just shown you what i could do hire me a top salary like I, I'm starting to think reading this that maybe Hedrick Garfield wasn't so off in his Peter Parker impression if he's going like super <laughs> early Spider-Man. Uh, if, if only. If yeah, only he was. Listen, only. in our background, there's the Fantastic Four in the Amazing right. Spider-Man 1. That so is it. That, is. Yeah. That's the one that's I'm talking about. Where, yeah. Where the hell is it? I can't. It's I'm above back, me. Whatever. It's above, yes, me. above Eddie. <laughs> yes, right over here. Yep. Anyway, there you got it. it. I couldn't get it. I'm about get to it. hit Peter in the nuts if I move my finger anymore, <laughs> so we don't want to do that. And fun thing, in one of these, I think it's in this one, they call him Peter Palmer. Really? Go, yeah, you own this, right? You own No, I do. I have the digital. I have the first 30 issues of Amazing Spider-Man. So go back and look at it. I thought it was so weird. The like it's like it, it's this one where it's uh -huh. like Peter Palmer is going to do this. And I went, okay, that's a weird typo, but they do it multiple times. Uh -huh. So I kind of wonder if it was because it was a new character, they hadn't like settled on the name, so they were trying different things, but it's an odd catch. I actually would like to I don't know if it is, it's gotta be on digital. I mean, Amazing Fantasy 15. Because that's oh, the key. If you go to that, and his name is Peter Parker in there. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Then that that's ground zero. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's possible they were screwing around with things at the time. Who the hell knows? But all right, well, appreciate the uh, you know appreciate the background, the research there. Some... Look, I'm 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 a dedicated I'm a dedicated co-host. 
No, I dude, you definitely are. There's no question about that. I absolutely love it. Um, but let's get it kicked off. Let's get to our CW verse shows for the uh, well for last week. Uh, last week's episode of Legends of DC's Legends of Tomorrow, episode seven. I'm sorry, season seven, episode four. Uh, Jason, what do you got for us? All right, this is so you said episode four or three. It's a speakeasy episode, right? Or my yeah, episode four? Okay. Is, yeah. Okay, so I, I wrote three. I wrote the wrong one. But anyway, it's a speakeasy episode, guys. 1920s. The legends are there. We knew it was going to be a speakeasy. It's called Speakeasy Does It. It's wonderful. Um, I, I we learned that Gary's an over tipper. He tips twenty dollars on like a uh, on like a I don't know a meal in the 1920s, which is like a three hundred percent because the meal's probably thirty cents. Um, so we so they they're running out of money. Uh, they go to a wig shop to try to buy wigs because Hoover's still around and they have this great line where they, they're still driving around Hoover's car and, and then the cops come and they go, oh, yeah, maybe we should get rid of Hoover's car. Pretty good idea. Yeah, you know, the idea. guy's chasing you down. Even Wait. though he's a Terminator. He is the Terminator, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so they go to the wig shop and the the uh, the wig shop owner's a racist dick to Zari. He won't acknowledge her. Yeah. And I always forget that like Zari's not white because I'm just I'm not paying attention. Like, yeah. you know. But I always I always forget it, and I'm like, why is he being a dick to Zari? She's being perfect. And then and then he starts talking to the other, and they call it the racism. I'm like, oh yeah, 1920s, and she's not white. I get it. Yeah. Frick. Um, yeah, <laughs> and, and there's a great line, and this is. Uh, this time period sucks for anyone not white and male. <laughs> uh, so that was great. Um, and then they find like a speakeasy, which is inclusive speakeasy run by um, a black gentleman who is kind of getting like like low grade uh, moonshine from the mob. And they allow him to rent the space as long as he doesn't make too much of a profit or go anywhere else. And the legends really want to help him out and make more, make enough money to get get across town. So they like bootleg for him, and the the mob cracks down on him and like ruins his place. And and they're like, they had, there's a great moment where uh, Sharp is like, we can't keep changing the timeline. And Zarya's like, no, we can't keep changing the timeline for the worse and leaving it like that. No. And I thought that was such a, a great moment because we've never seen them trapped in one time before. No, so, which is making this season very unique. It, absolutely, and interesting. It's working mm -hmm. for me. Um, and the fact that they're now exploring, like, okay, yeah, we were always able to change things and fix it, but now, well, we, we can't help but change it, but we can't leave it worse than we found it. And that's really what this episode wrestles with, which I think is really cool. Um, Spooner takes on the leadership on the other end there. Uh, they get on a train. They meet um, a traveling... Uh, band a traveling female band who just happens to be represented by the same mob who is going after the speakeasy and her boyfriend happens to be the same mobster and you find out you see astra help them with contract law which i love that moment yeah she it was something she's quite familiar with being in hell as long as she was right and and i love her line like yeah no i spent a lot of time with phil specter he went over contract law yeah. with me so I, that's a great throwaway <laughs> that was good that was really good um, and so she like reads the contract and she's like, yeah, this contract's expired. Give him a new one. You know, <laughs> that was cool. Mm -hmm. Um, then let's see. Uh, so the, what pretty much happens is the speed, they decide to throw the speakeasy, a, um, a fundraiser go using John Constantine's sort of, you know, pocket dimension. That's awesome. 
they're invaded by J. Edgar Hoover and the feds. They kick his ass. Uh, Sharp and the captains, the captains, uh, or the bullet blondes, do this great dance number where they wrap him up in it and wind up tying him in a, a chair. Um, and they do this really cool thing. There's a cool editing thing where they keep jumping. So while the speakeasy is getting its like Constantine pocket dimension treatment, the the mob has opened up a new speakeasy where the old one was, and they're trying to get the the woman who's a singer, the girlfriend, like a contract. Uh, with like a, a a studio so they can make money off of her. And there's a cool scene where she's singing and the bullet blondes are dancing and it's intertwined. So it's caught like they're in the same show. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was su super good editing. Really enjoyed that. Um, let's see, what else do I got? I mean, that, that's, I mean, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. Like uh, the, another fun thing is you find out that the, um, the mobster, Astra knows the mobster from hell because she spent time torturing him. So she knows specifically what his fear is. And so they get the woman to run away and go, yeah, it's not done. Because Gideon, I forgot to mention Gideon. Gideon's singing. I was waiting for this. Yes, Gideon's singing. How can I almost have forgotten that? So Gideon goes on and does this great song. Uh, that's the one that's intercut because the other woman who was supposed to sing, they convince her to run away because they pretty much say, Gideon still, as no, even though she's human, she still knows the future. So they're like, Gideon, what happens to her? And um, she, yeah. Asking, uh, I'm sorry, hold on one second. Legends of Tomorrow or about the woman? There's a conflict. Doesn't matter. Choose one. Choose, yeah. Matter. Sorry about that. Uh, there was actually a conflict in the recording for stuff I do on the DVR for this show. So my wife wanted to make sure she recorded the right one. My apologies. No. Um, so... <clears throat> Uh, yeah, so she, the, the jazz singer has run away because they convinced her to run away because Gideon's like, yeah, no, she winds up dead. Like, this guy's going to kill her in like six months. And, you know, and, and so they like, he then goes to attack Gideon after he finds out that she's she's the singer and his girlfriend is Gahan. And Astra's like, yeah, I know your fear. It's spiders. That's that's a great moment when she intimidates this guy. Um, I did have a question, though. Okay. Uh, did I miss Spooner getting new powers? Uh, not really. I think that was something that, was something that they kind of like explored a little bit here and okay. there, just like very vaguely though. Okay, because she's she's got some new powers here, and I just thought maybe I missed it because sometimes I'm watching my son while I'm watching these things, so I can't mm -hmm. always I sometimes miss things. Um, but uh, and then nice moment. Oh, this is actually, and I can't believe it. I, oh. This is why I got to check my notes before I say I'm done. Um, one of my favorite moments in this episode is where um, Sh uh, Sharp and uh, and Sarah, like, they do their thing and they kiss, oh, yeah. right? And everyone goes, ah! Oh! And they look and they go, no, no, we're not sisters. And everyone goes, yeah! yeah <laughs> and that was a nice, like, gotcha moment. Like, oh, no, it's because they're gay. And it's like, no, because they look like sisters. Well, no, because the... the oh, the because the Bullet Blondes Bullet are Blondes. sisters, yes. Yeah, the word going around town is that they're sisters. That's right. Uh, but that, so I thought that was hysterical. Um, the, the legends kidnap Hoover. They now have Hoover. Uh, and Nace Zari comes back, Flannel Zari. Mm -hmm. Who's I actually love the fact that this actress gets to be both because they're they're both really good characters on their own. Like I forget it's the same actress. That's how good she is between the two. No, she's really really good with, with both of them. The um, uh, new Zari was kind of annoying me at first when she was on, and then uh, like I don't know. I guess I just got used to her after a while. You get used. To her. I think once once you get to her heart, 
which yeah. is sort of like her and Bayrod. Uh, um, and and once you get to that moment where she has the moment with Flannel Zari and Flannel Zari is like, oh, wait, you don't know that his favorite thing is this and he's this and he's this because Flannel Zari lost her brother. So she yeah. is laser focused on what she missed. And New Zari grew up with him. So she takes him for granted. So at that moment is when I started to really like New Zari. Yeah. Yeah. And once they humanized her and flushed her out, I mean, yeah, exactly. instead of just being like an influencer and it was kind of like a. You know, I don't know if it was like a Kim Kardashian like you know knock thing or something like that or whatever. But you know, whatever. There's a thousand influencers out there now, and that's kind of like a thing. So right. that's what I figured they were they were tapping into. But yeah, no, I thought it was a pretty solid episode too. And yeah, that was another entertaining episode. We still yet to see Matt Ryan yet, which might be tonight. It could be airing while we're, we're recording right now. It could, uh, be. It could be as his new character. Which I mean, we've seen him, right? We've seen Matt Ryan in the the um, the, the credits, trouble. yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, we know it's him. You were you were correct. That's him and, it's and the be, beard. Yeah. That's got to be who he's gonna be. Yeah. Um, which I guess I guess he left the show as Constantine because he didn't want to be on all the episodes. Which I guess now makes sense because I didn't understand why they would keep the actor and get rid of Constantine the character. Well, they've done that a couple of times on Legends, though, with certain characters. Ending, and yeah. then that actor or actress ends up picking up another character. Yeah, but never one as never one as I think is pr- uh, prominent as as Constantine. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah, like like you know, it, it happened with, and I forget her name, but it happened with um, Nate's first love interest in the beginning of the show. Oh yeah, she was uh, the hero of Vixen. Yeah, and then right. She, yeah, because they got her from the JSA. Yeah, there this timeline's JSA, and then she ended up, but she ended up being. Um, the shapeshifter after a while. Yeah, the from yeah. the loom of uh the, the loom of fate or whatever it was. Yeah. So I mean that yeah, they they did that, but like that's a character that I don't even know if she's in the comic, right? Like because or her characters, but like Constantine is like a, a big he's deal. Kinda, yeah. yeah, like it would almost be like having uh having Sarah Lance come back as a new character. It's like well, no, I mean we've she's had her she's been on another show just like Constantine. He's had his own show. They've been in and out all of these, uh, you know, all of these things. Like they're prominent figures in the DCU, or the yeah. DC, yeah, the CW universe, rather. Yeah, or even just the DC universe. Because out of all the characters on Legends, Constantine is by far the most known character. Absolutely, out of any concoction of the Legends. I mean, you can maybe say you know Heatwave and Captain Cold. Maybe constantly uh, maybe. they didn't have their they didn't have their own series, or you can go with the Adam because that's who Ray Palmer is, and you know he's the only one who could possibly give him a run for his money. I mean, remember Hawkman and Hawkgirl? I guess in the very very beginning of Legends. Well, I mean, the thing is, I didn't until I rewatched that episode exactly. last week. Yeah, <laughs> well, that tells you how much they stuck out then. So yeah. that, that's that's why I'm curious about the choice. But now I'm figuring he just didn't want to be in the full season. That makes sense. Yeah, maybe not, but, you know, or whatever. Maybe he's got something else going on. Not too, not too sure about that. But All right, uh, let's keep it moving on. Uh, we had another episode of Batwoman last week, Season 30, Episode 4. Uh, an episode I was, like, I was okay with, I mean, but I actually think that speaks to how this show has actually raised the bar, because I think if this, was, this episode was last season, I would have been a little bit more excited about it. Yes. But this season, I'm like, They've been on such a good run where this wasn't a it wasn't bad. Wasn't bad. It was okay. It wasn't it was wasn't fun. as good as the last couple. Yeah, and they've been really good. So uh we Absolutely. get introduced to a society called Black Love, who is pretty much going around using uh Freeze's tech uh 
to stop Sophie's sister, formerly known as Crophy, um, <laughs> sister from outing them, and pretty much ends up by the end of the episode adapting that tech to a gun that can freeze and unfreeze because that's something that we find out throughout the episode is like is not a thing because what happens is they end up freezing Sophie's sister and throughout the episode they're trying to unfreeze her without pushing her over or anything like that because in the beginning of the episode there's a person who's frozen and then tries to move and ends up like shattering their legs like glass which was like I was like oh I got to admit that looked good yeah no it did it looked pretty good yeah Especially like on their budget no, that's the thing. It's like you know, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say oh this would have been better in an MCU film because it's not. It's a freaking CW show, you know. Yeah, it's a TV but, show, right? But for what it is, like when he stood up and his legs buckled and he fell and like I was like, ooh, wow, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I was like, ouch, yeah. I mean, it's like snap, I'm like wow. Um, and pretty much the and, and throughout the episode, Jada ends up framing Ryan for embezzlement. What she thinks is embezzlement, but we find out yeah. you know, that actually she sees the money funneling through Wayne Enterprises. That it's really for the operation for Batman now, yeah. Batwoman. We know that money has to come from somewhere; it just doesn't come out of thin air. So, you know, Jada thinks she has one thing on Ryan, but it turns out not really. But they kind of got to cover it up and be like, "Oh yeah, you got me," because I can't tell you guys I'm Batwoman. So, you know. That is what it is. But this is Jada's continuing wanting to screw with Ryan, and she has a vendetta against her. So she wants to so make her life miserable. Uh, throughout the episode, though, she ends up teaming up with her brother by the end of it, where she's like, all right, let's let's team up and let, let's straighten this thing out. Jason, you were going to say? No, no, I was going to say, like, the and, and the whole catalyst, because you brought the brother up, the whole catalyst with, of this was the brother gets Wilder invited to like this big gala event which he's there at 30 under 30 yeah yeah and they actually like they have this nice moment where he's like i just wanted to know my sister i just wanted to know if i had an ally i've always you know you're not the only one who's deal you know i've been dealing with my my mother for years um and the what what triggers their mother is the fact that someone gets a picture of the two Mm mm-hmm and so that's why she goes after Batwoman because the whole thing is right. Uh, Batwoman's like, no, I, I can't be seen with you. It's not that I. It's something personal. I don't yeah. want your mother coming for my company. <laughs> yeah, pretty much because she's like pretty much threatens her. Yeah. At the end of the last episode, that like you know she can really hit the fan. Um. So yeah. So then on Alice's front, she pretty much her delusions are getting worse. Uh, you know, like throughout the episode, she doesn't know literally doesn't know what's real and what's not, and she has like this illusion. Of a, um, I guess a warden, you want to call it from Arkham, or yeah, or a security uh, guard, or or an orderly, an orderly, yeah, that's yeah, it. an orderly, right? So we're term I'm looking for. So she keeps on seeing this orderly throughout the episode. She snaps his neck at one point, like yep. to like get out of it. Um, but then he keeps coming back and talking to her, and talking to her, and she finds out this is not real. But she ends up sees the point where she sees Black Love and asks them if they're real. Yeah, she has no is- clue at this point. Like total reality is bent for her. Very funny moment where she goes, she turns around because she's like going through the safe in um in the the sister's apartment, right? This is what the sister had found, uh, who is yeah. frozen. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's going through it, and she goes, "Oh!" And she like she does the exposition bomb of what's going on, and she turns around, and the black we're all there, and she goes, "All right, this is gonna be a stupid question, but are you guys real?" <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I have to admit, I disliked Alice last season. 
she's become one of my favorites this season. She's really funny. I, I have liked her. I gotta tell you, I have liked her since season one. I like the actress. I love what she does with the character. They pushed her into really zany directions. But I agree. We we talked about season yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Season two. I, I didn't like her. All around. Oh yeah, but I didn't like her storyline that they gave her. But yeah. as far as Alice the character, I enjoy the character because she's batshit crazy and leans into it and and does a great job with it. So, but now they're really going pushing that further. Yeah, and she has like, another great line is she's trying to make she's trying to call the Black Love Society the Bee Gees. Oh yes, yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> like yeah, it was the Bee Gees. No, the Bee Gees, the Bee Gees. I think it's Wilder. It's either Wilder or it's the former Crow who's like, "Can you stop trying to make BGs happen? It's not going to happen." Oh, Sophie, yeah, Sophie's just like, yeah. "You stop trying to make BGs happen." Like, no one cares. No one wants to call them that. Like this thing. I think I enjoyed this episode because it was just there were so many funny moments that, like, it was like, oh, "Okay, this is enjo- I'm enjoying this. This is you know." Oh no, that's good. what I'm saying. I, I, I'm just saying is that like there was yeah, enjoyment. A, I wasn't bored at any point. Yeah, it's I just, just thought the other episodes. Yeah, just compared to the others. And again, I think that just speaks of where this show has gotten to now, where the expectation of bar has been raised. Um, but then Mary pretty much uses part of Poison Ivy stuff because at the end of the last episode, she got dragged away. And she wakes up in a park, and she didn't know where she was like the, the whole night, but she has this like little thing that was pricked into her mm-hmm. from the Poison Ivy like strain or whatever you want to call it, the vine. Whatever it was, yeah. Like, I guess yeah. a thorn on a vine or something. Yeah, it looked like something like that. Um, she pretty much uses part of that to undo the freeze tech, and that's how you know that they end up unfreezing Sophie's sister. Um, and then they also the Sophie Ryan flirting is continuing. It's that continuing. is not gonna work. They're gonna. Um, I think they're gonna get it on. I'm gonna try to do that <laughs> in every episode, in every segment. I'm gonna try to do that now, and I don't know how I'm gonna get it in for the rest of them. Good luck with that. <laughs> um, yeah, and Luke Fox is continuing his, his thing with his suit and everything like that, and he has a whole conversation with the AI that is essentially his father, in a way, and pretty much kind of tells him he's not ready to wear the suit just yet. So we are maybe don't have Batwing just yet, but we sort of... He'll be full Batwing, I think, by the, of, by the end of, of the course. season. But I, I, I'll tell you something, though. I like that choice, because it's like... Yeah. Last season, like the whatever was going on last season, what they would have done was here's an episode with Batwing, and now Batwing's fine, he's great, he's always he's he's there. But this season's going, you know what? He's dealing with trauma, he's dealing with PTSD from being shot, like they haven't forgotten that. And there's a beautiful moment. I thought it was beautiful between him and his dad. It's like dad, because he says it's not that the suit just says you're not ready. He says, Dad, am I I'm not ready for the suit, am I? And then mm-hmm. Lucius Fox in the suit goes. No, no, you're not. And, you know, I, I like that the fact that they're really trying to push some character growth, you know, that they're wrestling with psychological things and not just, hey, isn't it cool we got Batwing? Now we got Batwing and Batwing's going to kick ass. Like, no, this character's got to go through some stuff to be able to become Bat Batwing fully. And I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, because so, so just yesterday or just now, he's the tech guy. Yeah. You know, like all the CW shows have like the tech guy and everything, so. I mean, most superhero teams yeah. have the tech guy. So the man he in was the, chair. the tech guy. Yeah, the man, the guy in the chair. And then, um, yeah, so he is that guy. You can't just suit him up and then suddenly, poof, he's, you know, a full-blown hero. Right. He, and you got to earn it. And I like the fact that he's pushed in to become Batwing from the, sh- from the shooting. 
right? So it's almost like his PTSD, his fear causes him to to try to, you know, make this happen, but it's also holding him back. So they're trying to do some psychological character stuff that whether it winds up working or not, I appreciate the effort here. Yeah, I'm 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 here for it. So uh yeah, so Batwoman continuing to go strong. Uh now let's get to the ending, the actual ending of Supergirl. The All series right. finale with the two-part series finale was last night. Let's throw up the spoiler warning on the bottom. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. So if you did not watch Supergirl season finale, a series finale last night, come back another time and, and check us out. But you know, Jason, let's 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 get into it because I think this is going to be an interesting discussion here. I think so. All right, so we start off with uh, Lex leaves a message for the gang. If you remember where we left off, he just killed um, I forget his name, but the uh, the reporter. Yeah. Uh, and he's really dead. So I give Supergirl that man. Supergirl had some some uh, some nerve in killing some like you know semi important characters uh, mm-hmm. this time around. Uh, you find out, and he pretty much tells him, "Look, you get. I'll give you. We'll give you Esme back because they they kidnapped uh, David Bowie's daughter. Um, so we'll give you Esme back, but you got to get all the totems and bring them to us. But really, what they're doing is they're trying to get the totem of love. I think outside of out of Esme yeah. or, mm-hmm. um, and so there's this whole back and forth between um, Nixley and Lex about Nixley is Nixley. Like, I don't hurt young children. I don't hurt innocent people, which I do kind of get because Esme's like a little girl and she has her own thing where she was persecuted. Make complete sense to me. And Lex is like, nah, let's rip this bitch open. Like, like, yeah, like he was Lex Luthor now. After a while, yeah. at first he's like, oh, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. I'll respect your wishes. But then after a while, he sees those petals falling mm-hmm. from the rose that indicates that she's the totem of love, love totem. And then after a while, he's like, all right, screw this shit. Let's go. Let's just yeah. cut her open and get this damn thing out. That's it. So he tries that. Nixley finds it. Nixley catches him and is like, yeah, you're a douchebag. <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to be with you. You were wrong. Forget about it. She breaks up with him. Uh, and so they start fighting. They're they're now at odds. There's no more uh, Ni- um, Lexley, as I called their power <laughs> couple name in my notes. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, so Lex's mother shows up at some point, and like she, Lex's mother tries to poison Lex against Nixley, and it doesn't work. And then Lex's mother is the one who poisons Nixley against Lex. Like she's the reason Nixley goes and checks on what Lex is doing, catches him trying to like gut Esme like a fish to get this totem out. It really doesn't look like that. I yeah. just it was a nice image. They, he was doing some weird like I had some like Mixoplex like or something. I didn't really understand what was going on. So um but whatever. Hand wave. Uh, they, uh-huh. they, they, they're trying to get this thing out of her. Um uh, Brainy and Dreamer go and dream together. Uh let's see. Th- they mentioned the threat of destiny, and it, was that a is that a legends thing? Like we were just talking about that. Like we had the loom of destiny. Is that related to the threat of destiny? No. Okay. I, I, I don't right. know where but I, I well uh, listen, I, I'm trying to reserve the judgment as we as we get through this. Because Fair there enough. was a lot of hand waving. Uh, lots of hand waving. And it, can, it, of... it really picked up as it yep. went on. Uh, so then, all right, so they have this meeting where Lex chooses because no one could use their powers except no one thought Lex would just put bombs on the bridge and destroy it, which he does. And then Supergirl, before before Lex and, and Nixley break up, I kind of jumped the gun on that. Supergirl's like, they're going to get the totems. 
And David Bowie takes all the totems and she's like, I'm going to get my daughter back. I don't care if it plunges us all into a hellish world where my daughter lives in hell. I want her back with me and that's worth this hellish world. Give me that. And she takes totems and she goes to trade with Lex. And well, Lex but hold on, Jason, I wanted to ask you, ask you mm -hmm. about this. Though, okay. Because I thought this story beat was interesting. Because okay. again, you had Supergirl and Alex, or Kara and, and Alex Danvers having a discussion. You know, Supergirl again is trying to do what I guess the big picture thing and stuff like that. And Alex as a parent for a month? A month. Or so. Okay, whatever. Doesn't matter. Children, 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 I understand. Uh, but Alex, I can see Alex, and she's like, this is my kid. Screw every, everything else, be damned. I, I want to save my kid. You know, Lex, this is Lex Luthor. We don't trust him, okay? He's going to she, He's going to kill my kid. He's fully, she's fully convinced of that. But, and I thought that was an interesting story. That part was an interesting story beat to me. That that's where they went with it. Now, I mean, you are a father now. Like, well, it, you can see. Yeah, look, I get, I get where, it, I get where it came from, and I, yeah. and I, I just to be, I'm, I'm not mad that that uh, she makes the decision. I'm kind of mad that Kara lets her because yeah. I get what she's saying. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing: there's got to be another way than giving ultimate evil ultimate power. You know what I mean? Because you look at the big picture. So as a father. Yeah. It, like, so what, what's my, what in my head, what's my choice? They, they get taken from me or I allow a dystopian hellscape where they suffer for the rest of their lives to happen. Mm -hmm. You know? And I mean, and here's the thing. If, if the episode was more about that choice and, and they wrestled a bit more with it, I, I, maybe I, I wouldn't be so dismissive of it, but yeah. I feel that they're kind of dismissive of it. She just comes, takes it, and says, Kara, I'll never forgive you if she dies, and I'll never forgive myself. And Kara goes, Do what you got to do. I'm going to go sap the energy from the sun. Well, that was Kara's plan B, because Kara's like, Well, she talks with uh, Rainy and, and the rest of the, t the super friends, because I mean, that's what they're going by now, or that's what they've gone by now. While Alex is uh, when Kelly are off to do their thing and pretty much hand it all over to Lex and Nixley, they're like, "All right, we got to come up with a plan B because I once they get it, I'm not gonna be able to stop them. They're you know, there's no way." And then you know, um, sorry, Rainy ends up coming out of left field with this whole idea of, "Oh yeah, we can just supercharge you based on something that uh, the government has. But the government's gonna come after us for this again. Exactly, we're gonna." <laughs> And I thought to myself, like, um, this whole season, you guys have been wrestling with this concept that they might get the All Stone. So this was never mentioned ever before that this right. was a possibility. Even though the story takes us where she ends up charging herself to like ninety eight percent, and then at the last, by the way, way past six seconds that happened. Oh wait, that. it was like twenty. Minutes. It was like twenty minutes. Stop it. Get out she of got, here. She totally was supercharged. But no, she then decides because some random person that was there that she heard tell her to yeah. stop, asked her to stop. Like, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. There's just a lot no, of. No, please, please. There's please, a lot please. of this whole, these two episodes, this whole finale was a lot of good intentions. I get yes. what the messages were, and I'm on board with the messages, what they were trying to get across. But I just think the execution was completely insane. I feel the same way. Completely I insane. Um, 
Yeah, absolutely. So Supergirl saps the sun. And, and like, so you find out that the way Nixley, we find out, the way Nixley and Lex are getting their powers from the totems, uh, are they, they're sapping it from other people, mm-hmm. right? And so, the, like, they're, I, so what they're trying to do here is to show that Kara is willing to stoop to the level of the villains to sap the energy of the sun. Because Lena goes, you can't do that. You're, you're like, every, people die we'll lose we'll lose heat like it's it's almost like like car you, you understand that all right the sun uh provides heat it uh yes. provides light for our plants like lena literally has this discussion with yeah, her she breaks it down like scientifically <laughs> why yeah. you can't have the sun vanish yeah it's like um human beings need vitamin k that's uh that's there Kara. have you uh, uh yeah. have you read my treatise on this like it, it's it, I, I actually find yeah. I'm giving it more humor than it was, but I did like that that scene where Lena's like, "You're out of your mind," pretty much. And I think Brainy was also telling her the same thing. Yeah, which Brainy, it's like, dude, just don't say anything. If you think, why did you bring this up? Yeah, zip it, dude. Um. So yeah, I, I get that. That's what they were trying to do. They were trying to make the connection that Kara needs to be better than the villains, and she's about to go down the villains' path because the ends justify the means, just like the villains. I, but I just think like. The whole sapping the sun is a bit much. Yeah, I thought that was pretty extreme and like, totally completely out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And and also, here's the thing. If you take the sun away from the Earth for six months, you kill life on Earth. There's no way yes. you can to me otherwise. Like, we, we, don't, we have no heat and no sunlight, and we, we die. <laughs> kind of reminds me of a version of her cousin that spun the Earth on a complete opposite way to turn back time. Yeah. Uh-huh. I can't wait till we get to uh-huh. that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It's whatever. But uh all right, I'm going to I'm going to say a, a nice thing. Lex's mom has electric high heels. <laughs> Did you see that scene? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what the hell that was about. I actually thought that was hysterical. She comes yeah. a Martian Manhunter grabs her and she kicks him in the the leg and she's electric high heel and I'm like all right, I didn't get how it hand waved it, but that was funny. Uh, there was one. There's a long list of hand waving in this, in this finale. Um. All right. So then, uh, Nixley, Supergirl, and uh, Lex get pieces of the All Stone. They all have equal pieces. Uh, Nixley tries to kill Lex. Lex's mom takes that killing shot, and she dies later on in the next episode. Um. We talked about how. Uh, all right. So I thought this was kind of stupid. Like I, I thought it was fine that Nixley and Lex were drawing power from people. Oh, thank God, because I know where you're going. Yes, please. But why are they black and white? Uh-huh. Like, what is this, Pleasantville? And then, like, you know, the guy that they were really trying to make a thing. And you know what? I'm not saying this guy couldn't have been a thing had he maybe been introduced in the beginning of the season, had we not spent a half a season in the Phantom Zone, and then just went, hey, this guy's good. Let's put him in like three episodes and make him pivotal to the end of the, the season. Like, I don't mind that this guy was pivotal, but make him something in this season first. Yeah. But like the guy from the past, like uh, the the eloquent guy from the the bad neighborhood, he just he gives everyone a rousing speech and they get their color back. Um. Yeah. Well, why the black and white? Because they were losing their what makes whatever. them human. Yeah. Like, what, what makes them human? A humanity. And then they, but the problem was is that the characters saw them as black and white too. Yes, if you were just using it as a visual thing for us for the audience, fine. But they acknowledged it too, and I'm like, this is what? And and that's not even the biggest what WTF moment 
of this whole thing because what the point you're talking about, it really spins out of control. Like it just keeps on going and going and going. I want you to take that, Ed. I want you to run run with that. <laughs> well, dude, so the, we're at the point now where there's the big battle, right? We get one last huge battle for the series of Supergirl, right? So how the fuck does Lex flying around, by the way, with Nixley, and then suddenly they kind of like, they kind of park their little yeah. rivalry that just happens to the side, and they're teaming up. How does he pull out villains from the past that he's never met? I haven't, like, like dude, Nazi snaps Supergirl? Nazi Supergirl from from uh, Crisis on Earth X, which is still by far the best crossover that CW Verse has ever done. That is phenomenal. Agreed. Agreed. That was that was excellent. Pulls out pulls out Earth X Supergirl. Pulls out Parasite and Metallo and the Red Tornado that he's never met before. These are, I mean, I get it. This is the finale. These were all different season villains, but he literally snaps his fingers and they fucking appear. And then at the same time, then heroes appear. To fight against them, like Monel comes back from the yep. future, and so does Win. I mean, and so does Jimmy Olsen comes out of left field. And by and the way, her mother yes, comes out of I, nowhere with a shotgun. Which what was that? I, I don't. I don't know. It was. I know Kara gave like. I'm sorry. We actually did gloss over one quick thing. Okay. To get everyone there, Kara went ahead and gave this huge speech where like yes. Brainy helped superpower her up. So everyone on the planet can hear this speech, okay? So I somehow in the future they heard this, and I get why Jimmy Olsen would hear it, but he just got to snap his fingers and yeah. he was in National City. That's the thing. I can accept Monel and Wynn coming because they, they got a time machine. All sure. Right? And 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 Monel kind of gives Monel kind of gives something which I thought briefly, was yeah, in this where he's like. You know, we're from the future, and you and and he even says like you in that speech are the ones that put this all together. Like apparently that they're retconning it that that speech is yes. a thing that pulls like that time traveling team together. So it's like I get it. Like he 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 knows where to go. He comes at the right time. I didn't mind that. I liked seeing Monel too. Uh, but, but, I yeah, like seeing all the heroes that came back, and I like seeing the characters. But the fact that it all happened like bang, 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 yeah. bang, out of nowhere with no That's explanation. Why? We needed something. We needed like we needed like Jimmy Olsen coming back a bit before that and visiting with his sister Kelly, and like we needed some like I don't again I don't mind Monel and Wind just popping in, but. Like other people, there needed to be some form of like context for why they're there. Because doesn't didn't Jimmy Olsen leave the town? Like doesn't he live somewhere else? Like yes, he you... moved away to go ahead and, and handle the whole thing. There was a reason why he left, and he, so he heard the speech and then like caught a red eye or something. Or he had one of those circle wavy things that apparently all the Luthers have, where they can just appear and reappear out of nowhere. Yeah. Like it, what is it, going on there? It made yeah. it made no sense. And um, and and uh, by the way, there there is two things I want to mention during that battle. Two lines that really stuck out to me, and they mm -hmm. both involved Alex Danvers. So okay. her mother, very clever though. The clever one was Alex Danvers. The, uh, I'm sorry, her mother's there, and she's like, you know, fighting against the aliens, and she's like, quote, "You would think I was in a past life, I was a Kryptonian." And Alex turns to her and says, "Only in the movies." And yeah, the nod is because that. she played Supergirl in yeah. the you know in the Christopher Reeve universe there. So I was like, 
All right, fine. All right. Now, all right. I, I was still trying to wrap my mind around why she was there when that line came. I'm like, oh, why are you there with a shotgun? I don't you know, understand. Just... That was a weird thing. And actually, I had said, like, I don't, I don't, and I, again, I just rewatched this a couple of months ago, over like before the summer. I don't actually remember this character very well. Like, I was going to ask you because I, like, I knew Monel. He was big. I knew Win. He started with Win. I knew James Olsen because we also started with James Olsen. He, you yeah. know, I actually really liked that actor. I really liked the choices they made with him, making him super cool and suave and attractive. Yeah. Um, but, like, I was like, when did we meet their mother with a shotgun? Like, no, not the shotgun, but the mother was the mother was a big deal for a little while. And okay. who she was, I like that stuff when they bring back I, like nods to the old. No, no, yeah, and that, that, I guess I just didn't remember because that's yeah. that's when they that's when their dad comes back, right? Yep. And they're trying. Okay, so I remember it was that. Dean yeah, it was it was Dean Dean Kane, Kane, yeah. Um, but then there's another line when Alex is fighting Lex Luthor. And he, like, attacks her in some way or whatever, shoots, like, a laser at her or something, because those lasers flying all over this whole battle. And she says, don't touch me without consent. <laughs> I didn't catch that. <laughs> Jason. Jason. Angie pointed this. She was like, what catch just that. happened? A, what a stupid line. Yeah. And I was like, wait a second, he's not, and what, and huh? It's like, well, here. Yeah, Tony, Tony's like in the back room, by the way, and he heard <laughs> this, and he's even, like, facepalming right now. Nice, that, nice. I, 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 dude, I, I didn't know what to do with this. Like, and that's the thing. It's, again, good intentions, right? Because we said this, we said this a couple weeks ago, and I never say this. I'm all for, like, you know, bleeding heart liberal messages in these things. I'm a bleeding heart liberal. That's who I am, right? But, like, this literally, this season this is literally the freaking ticking check boxes, you know? It's like, wait, did we, did we mention a consent thing yet? Oh, we got to get that line in. So we're going to have Lex Luthor not touch her. And then she's going to say, don't touch me without consent. And that's, you know, we don't see that as stupid because he didn't touch her. But also, why would she give him consent? Like, just say, don't touch me. In the middle of battle, she's going to say, Lex, please. Not, you're, allowed, not, you're, allowed, you're allowed to punch me. It's okay. If I, sorry, fighting. if I say this it. Is the, yeah, if we say it. We say uh, it. Dude, I don't know. That that was, and, and so to end the battle, okay, oh God. to end oh the God. battle, Lex randomly opens up the Phantom Zone. And then because the phantoms feed on fear, it ends up backfiring and pulling Lex and Nixley back into the phantom zone. That's how you defeat Lex Luthor and your big bad of season six. What now, the fuck? I can only hope that they defeated Lex Luthor like that because they plan on using him in future shows. And it's easy to bring him back from the phantom zone. Oh no, I agree. I which is fine, well, and I'm fine with that. I'm glad he didn't die. I didn't think Lex was actually going to die, but, but, but it what was a just like stupid way. Like, and, and you're right. Like they 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 unleash the Phantom Zone, and the Phantoms come out, and they they like hover around the heroes for a while, and they turn around, they just go attack Nixley and Lex, and there and the line again, hand wave. Oh, because we know that real fear is masked by bullying and violence. It's like Humus. okay, you. Check a hubris. That was, it. It hubris. was hubris. But it's like, okay, check after school special. That's great. It's like that what, that's so stupid. Like yeah. and, and, and and I want to point out that everything we just went over happened 15 minutes into that last episode. So we still got a whole half an hour of just hanging out with the gang and taking victory laps. 
which is dumb because why not give us a half an hour of a lead up to this battle and then the battle where like, you know what? We can't let like, all right, Lex calls out people, right? Give us, give us a, give us a reason that he knows these people. Right. Um, and then say, oh, we got to retreat and we got to get our own team together. And that's the episode, putting the team together. No, this is like everyone comes together. We kick Lex's ass. We don't even kick Lex's ass. Lex's no, plan Lex backfires. Kicks his own ass. Lex Steppenwolf's himself from the, the non-Snyder cut. And uh, and that's it. They're done. That's 15 minutes. Now let's take our victory laps for a half an hour. Yeah. So – I, I don't know, dude. That whole last battle was completely mind-boggling. Just, and I, again, I get the point where they were trying to do is me too. He, the people, the people of the planet, he took hope, and every he Supergirl installed hope in everyone and brought them back to be who they wanted. I get it. That's been a that's been the theme line throughout this entire six season mm-hmm. run, and I understand that. So I get the idea of what you're going for, but the way it was executed was completely absurd. Agreed, and I think that's that's this season, well, yes. at least the the, uh, the post phantoms phantom zone stuff in this season. It's like good intentions. I think we've said that in every post phantom zone episode. Good yeah. intentions. I get what they were going, but goddamn, can you write this better? Yeah. So then that takes us to the the wedding, Alex and Kelly's <laughs> wedding. They have their <laughs> thing, and I'm like. <laughs> Why is Lena dressed as a like middle ages costume? Say thank you. Okay, so Angie pointed that out too because I'm not going to sit here and get into the critiquing the makeup and dress of a somebody attending a wedding. No, that's I fine. I, no, I thought of it. <laughs> I thought of it, but I'm like, so Lena is a witch, so now she has to dress like a witch. Right, she's dress like she's life. from the craft. Get out of here. Exactly. Why? Why would you go out of your way to but? Black. Look, I'm not a woman. I don't wear makeup. But women, please tell me, is it normal to go out of your way to put black baggy eyeshadow before you and go to a wedding and, I mean, and everything else? Like, come on. All right, you're a witch. We get she it. Should have wore a sign on her that said, "I am a witch." I uh, yeah. No, what she should have done is she should have gotten the black pointy hat, painted herself green, put the old nose on. Like you might as well at that point. Yeah. Um. One so yeah, then there was the whole you know Brainy and and Akara singing at the wedding and everything like that. Which, which was, was fine, like, but but I want to point this out, and I really I take umbrage with this. You spent the last three episodes telling us Brainy has to go back to the fucking mother brain, right? And I know that's not what it's called, but Brainy's got to go back and he's got to save the mother brain, and mother brain has to make Metroids and, and kill Samus. Yes, I knew what reference I was making, uh, but. He literally leaves this episode. I have a note saying, all right, Monal says he uh, can't come, ever come back, and Brainy's never coming back, but Wynn will be back for the wedding. And yes. it was nice to see Wynn there. I actually did like the Wynn stuff there. There yeah, are some the stuff was, I like. Wynn was fine. Yeah. But, like, Brainy just comes back, and Dreamer's like, what about Mother Brain? He's like, ah, the future's not written. And it's like, what the hell? Did you guys just watch Back to the Future 3? Because you yeah. literally grifted the worst part of Back to the Future 3 for your explanation of this. And you built this whole storyline over the last two or three episodes right. for no reason because there was no point. Just to go, no, uh, JK, I'm fine. Yeah. That that was that, that was in, in, in my notes as well. Um, so I, the one thing I will give them credit for, again, great intention. Yep. Horribly executed, though, was the Cat Grant stuff. 
So Cat Grant comes yeah. back and purchases Cat Go Back because randomly it's for sale. So she decides to show up. Well, and... I am actually going to say, I am actually going to, no. I'm going to send it in this moment because we did get a scene in episode 19, which we didn't talk about because it didn't matter uh, if for the episode until now, um, where the Adriana is that the woman who bought Catco when yeah. Calista Flockhart wanted to leave. So yeah. she actually does have this moment of like, I got William killed. I am a terrible person. So again, had they taken less victory lap, and kind of given that character a moment to have a breakdown and say, I, I've got to do something else and get out of this, that would have made sense. And I think that's what they were thinking, but they didn't draw those connections. It just went, yeah. oh, yeah, Adriana's not even in this episode, but Catco bought Catco back. Great. Which is fine. And I, and I get series finale, Catgren uh, is back. Yeah, you got to have she's a very She's a very popular character. Like mm -hmm. you said, Crystal Flockhart wanted out once the show moved to CW because CW... They were shooting season one when it was on CBS. Oh, okay. uh, in, in LA, yeah, it was on season one was on CBS, and it was a ship. It was filmed in California, and then once it moved to CW, they shoot in Vancouver. So oh, okay. once so that, it moved, that's why she left. It was that's why she left. But that's so great idea to bring her back. But then you bring her back through these shitty CGI scenes where she's on some beach because yeah. it looked hard. It, it looked, looked terrible bad. even for CW. It looked even bad for CW. It looked bad. And it looked so bad, I actually had a, a couple of moments questioned if that was actually the actress Callista Flockhart or if they had done some weird CGI on a Callista Flockhart lookalike because they couldn't get her. And it's like, very likely, they were just like, well, Callista Flockhart will do it if we do it on a green screen in, in her hometown in California, so we'll just yeah. do that. But it's like, then make the green screen better. It looked like somebody was on Zoom or something. like that. It was bad. Um, but yeah, whatever. She offers Kara, like, hey, I'm buying Catco back. You want to be the editor-in-chief? I'm like, whoa, that's a, a pretty big bump up there from yeah. a regular but, reporter. But I'll tell you something, though. I, I, I actually bought all of the interaction between Catco because this no, show... They were, this, no, that was good. That was good. And and her offering her... Because these are two good actresses. Like, Melissa Benoist, we've been, we've been crapping on this show all, all season because the writing's been bad. But that, that has nothing to do with the acting. Melissa Benoist is actually an amazing Supergirl. I really enjoyed her. I no, hope they too. bring her back in other things. Callista Flockhart, I like Dally McBeal. I, I like Callista Flockhart. I got, no, you know, I got nothing bad to say about her. They're great together. Um, you know, but I, so I, I do, but I do see that I do see Callista Flockhart, Kat, saying, I want to promote you. I want you to be my right hand person. Um, because I remembered something that this episode did not, and that is. On Callista Flockhart, Cat Grant's last episode before this, they revealed to us and Kara that she knew Kara was Supergirl. Yeah. So that makes sense. But like she she reveals it again and Kara goes, You knew? And it's like, didn't she tell you she knew like four years ago? Yeah, I kind of remember something like that, but I wasn't hundred percent sure. No, but I I, again, I, just, I haven't seen this in five years, so I just rewatched it a couple months ago, and that was yeah. something that and that that stuck out to me because I actually one of my favorite parts of that first season, and you know, whenever whenever Calista Flockhart's there, is I enjoyed their their relationship. I enjoyed sort of like the I think when we first started this, I, I said the first season's like superhero Devil Wears Prada. And I like yeah. Devil Wears Prada. I think that was a, a really cool way to, to do it. So that's why I remember it, because I like the Cat Grant stuff. No, Cat Grant was a great character, and I'm glad that they 
brought her back. So great intention there. So you get points for bringing back Cat Grant, and I get that. And the interactions with with Kara are really good, but it's just a weird way that they went about it with weird. CGI and everything. So the bottom line is though, is that she ends up deciding to tell the world that because Cat Grant tells her like, listen, you need to be your true self. It'll be really interesting to see, and. It will, you know, it's something there because Kara is concerned about taking the editor in chief mm -hmm. spot because, like, she quit Capco to begin with because she couldn't balance the life of being Supergirl and being Kara Danvers' reporter. So she just tells her, hey, just be yourself, be your true self, and that's it. So the it ends where they're having another game night again, which I'm like, okay, where are we going with this quickly? I get, the I, game I mean, night I get things that. Were, the game night's yeah, a big no, thing for them, yeah, it's a big thing. But then we see on these floating random monitors throughout the city that there's an interview with Kat and Kara where she pretty much reveals to the world. It's kind of like her I am Iron Man moment yes. where she's like, you know, I'm Kara, you know, I'm Kara, I'm Supergirl. So I guess that's what it is. By the way, another thing I wanted to mention before we wrap this Supergirl stuff yeah. up. Is, I also have one more thing I want to yeah. uh, go back to. When she... Kara gives the speech to the whole world that everyone hears, apparently throughout time. You know who else is on that Earth? Barry Allen? Superman. Superman? Her cousin? Yeah, Black Lightning. Uh, Black Lightning is still on that Earth? Okay. Um, I mean, Oliver, you know, I'm sorry, not Oliver Queen's daughter, you know. Um, everyone! They yeah. all hear it. There are many heroes on this planet. Diggle? Who's Diggle. everywhere? Diggle would have heard this thing. Diggle at least. Like I get, you're not going to get the Flash. You're, you're not going to get back. You're not going to get stars of other shows. Put Diggle in this episode. I'm just saying, like you got this is who you got, and and I get why they chose those people because again they were from yeah. the past seasons. But to use the consistent logic of this, they all would have heard it. And she is Kara is part of a Justice League that they did yeah, form after Crisis. So you think they would have came and helped her? Just want to throw that out there. Here's a Justice League question. Do you think that they allow the new Batwoman in Justice League and just pretend it's not Kate Kane because it's, she's got the moniker? Or do you think they make her prove herself again? I We will probably start finding out next week when the Flash Armageddon hits. <laughs> because true. Batwoman's in it. So That's we're going to find there out. You, go. that you gotta uh, You got to have to address because she was the... What was it? The... the uh, something of courage. Yeah, she was. Was it? It wasn't a totem. I forget yeah, what it was whatever. in Crisis on Infinite Earths. It was yeah. the Paragons. They were the Paragons. Paragon. Paragon yeah. of Courage was Kate Kane. Apparently yeah. not anymore. So, no, no, no. We'll you see. know, that's, that's, that's over. So my one thing, and I, and this, I wanted to end. I wanted to end this episode on a high note uh, for my review because again, this is a crappy season of a very good series. Yes. Um. They do try to explore stuff, which I think they are partially successful in this season, that they really did foreshadow and build up throughout the series. And that is, um, you know, Supergirl is a symbol of Kara's fear. You mm -hmm. find out that the reason Kara could not, for the life of her, pass the, the test of the Courage Totem, which six or seven episodes, and, and if you remember, during that episode, her trial was to save her her sister that in that first episode Back from the plane the first crash. Episode, yeah. And what she realizes is when she decides to put the glasses on or take the glasses off, when she decides to do an alter ego, that 
is a symbol of her fear because she's not confident enough to live her true self. And though I think this season does not explore that enough, I appreciate it ends with that. And I appreciate Mm -hmm. that it's obvious they had some thought and build up to that. And I do think that is a through line through the series. Yeah, no, and I and I think that was a nice moment. I'll agree with you on that. That was a nice yeah. moment that they had. And but again, that you didn't need to just mention it in the last five minutes of the last episode, no, no, no. which no, I get. No, no. You're right. It is a through line throughout the whole series. You could have taken more time to be more upfront about it throughout this season, and I think it would have improved the season as I a agree. whole. But yeah, we don't want to shit on the whole run of Supergirl. Like it was a listen. There were more good seasons than bad by far. They just. I, this season I really, and this finale proved to me that it was time to wrap it up, though. Agreed. I really think this was the only weak season. Like, not every season and not every episode of every season is great, but I think every no. season before this is more strong than it is weak. Yeah. And I don't feel that with this. And then again, I mean, we've beaten to death our problems with this season. Um, but you know what? I, I'm with you. It's like, I'm glad it's come to an end because it was getting painful. And like, I I was talking to a friend the other day and I was telling him, like, I hadn't talked to him a while. I was telling him about the show. And he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, for me, Supergirl ended last year. And I was like, oh, you haven't watched a new one? He goes, no, I was fine with that being the ending. And I'm like, I think that's, that's kind of how a lot of people feel. It's like the season was just, it kind of could have ended last season better. Like they would have yeah. had to have done something different, not put Tara in the fence. proper zone. symbol, yeah. A proper send off, but I think last season was strong and it would have ended better. This season it was muddling, it was all over the place. I just, I didn't, I, I get what they were trying to do, just didn't work. Yeah, it's, I think it suffered those same problems as some of the other CW shows because now this is the third one to end, right? Yeah, Arrow ended first, yeah. and we talked about that. That, that the later yeah. seasons of that show were not as strong as at all, so it was time to end that. That probably overstayed its welcome. A couple of years too much. Yeah, oh, for sure, um, for sure. Yeah, I think Black Lightning ended before that happened, though. They're yep. the ones who got out when they needed to get out. Yep. So uh, as they much as I wanted to see part. more Black Lightning, yeah, I wanted to see more Black Lightning, but maybe it's best for how these shows have gone yep. that it, it ended on a high note. Supergirl, yeah, you probably extended your stay maybe a season too long. I agree. So, but overall, I agree. though, I'm sure we'll see – you know, some of the characters peppered throughout in Flash Armageddon, which we'll be covering starting next week. That's the beginning of Flash Season 8. Is, uh, you know, Alex Danvers is one of the people in there. So I get to see the David Bowie costume. Yeah, I know yeah. you're excited. You love the David Bowie costume. I just wish you would just show up as Alex Danvers and leave the costume at home. <laughs> yeah, the costume's better. pretty bad. I the actually do like terrible. I like the character of Alex Danvers a lot, but that costume is terrible. Oh, by the way, there's also the reformation of the the vague oh, the, reformation of the yeah, DEO. The DEO, yeah. Which... Just make her DEO agent Alex Danvers again. I, yeah, I appreciate that. We can let's give us that. Suit. And honestly, I think that's part of what made this this epi- this season so weak is there was no DEO. I think the DEO added some like built-in tension. Yeah, that just was not there in the season. Yeah, some structure, exactly. Oh. All right, so that's pretty much that for Supergirl. That is the last time, you know, our last episode we'll be talking about that. Uh, before we move on to Doom Patrol, we have our, our old buddy is back. He's back from his hiatus. Guess who's back? Back again. 
Tony's back. Tell some friends. Tell friends. <laughs> What's up, brother? What's up, dude? Hi, guys. What's going on? Oh, nothing. Listen, I, I just I wanted to address this right off the bat. I haven't been robbed. <laughs> I'm in the process of moving. I packed a lot of stuff up, so that's the reason why I look like I'm in a room where I'm just there's nothing on the walls. So, <laughs> but just to just to set the record straight right off the bat, you're like, hey, How you guys kids, doing? kids ran in, started playing with the toys, and they're like, hey, they just decided to open them up, whatever. Yeah, God forbid. This is that's not this section here. No. <laughs> this section is not the open up section. <laughs> uh, how you guys doing? I uh, I enjoyed your uh, your syn- uh, synopsis of the uh, the Supergirl finale. It's it's over. Yeah. it's done. I mean, it, it is over. It is done with. Uh, you know, we are we are moving moving along. Glad to hear that she finally got out of the Phantom Zone. What was that like a nine episode arc that she was uh, she was stuck in the Phantom Zone? It was like thirteen, wasn't it? It was, it was like it was half the season. There was twenty episodes this season. I feel like she was in the Phantom Zone for eleven or twelve. Yeah, yeah, right. More it's, than half the season. My thirteen was not much of an exaggeration. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. Then, neither mean, was my neither was my nine. So yeah. no, well, it's definitely <laughs> around there. Definitely, and I don't remember the exact number, but it felt like it was nineteen and a half. But Wow, yeah. that's that's insane. But uh, yeah, well, like you said, a lot of a lot of a lot of these shows, you know, uh, you know, they, they 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 try to wrap things up, and you know, they end up fumbling it out because they run out of ideas and so on and so forth. Like it's very rare that you have a, a series where it wraps up on a high note, you know. And it's, yeah, and I, and I wanted to say that before we wrapped up the Supergirl plot. I know we wrapped up the Doom Patrol, and we'll get to that in like twenty seconds. But it's really hard to wrap up a series, like a series finale. It is very hard. Some of my favorite shows couldn't pull that off. And like, you know, even the Seinfeld finale, as much as I love Seinfeld, was not great. But I, I actually kind of no, I, I got laughs out of it. But I mean, you know, like the show was yeah, it's hard to end from, the show. It's very hard to end any series and satisfy everybody. There were some yeah. people who liked the Supergirl Caesar series finale. I've yeah, seen it online where I saw people, and that's cool. I'm glad that I'm they very enjoyed happy. It. Yeah, I'm very happy. Yeah, people and I enjoyed it. Yeah, it just it didn't work for me. It didn't work for Jason. And well, that, you have and, that's that. and, and well, yeah, look, you have some of the greatest shows on on in TV history that the 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 last the last season or the last episode. There's you know there's controversy or this or that. Look at the episode of The Sopranos. It's a perfect example that that yeah. last you know that that caused so many people to to scratch their heads and be like, how could you end an unbelievable show? On, on a note like that, but now if you go back and you watch it, you can kind of appreciate it. The fact that it just the way that it ended and, and going back and 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 seeing where David Chase was actually going with that. So well, it's it's all subjective, but it's it was you know it's sometimes it's not appreciated till down the road. Yeah. Tony, what I'm going to say about that last episode of The Sopranos is going to mm-hmm. change your life. Here's what it is. Mm. Oh wow! See what I did there? I shut wow. my camera off just like uh-huh. the end of The Sopranos. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wow, Bazinga! I couldn't help it. Sorry. I, you know and what? of course, I had to telegraph it because that was a visual gag that our podcast yes. listeners yes. would not yeah, well, get. It's, but it's I removed myself from the video. You, you, you've been scullied that really well. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, but um, so yeah, but I, I uh, you know, you know, I'm glad you guys were able to, you know, wrap it up, and you know, I know it's. Not exactly where you wanted it to be, but it could have been a lot worse, I guess. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it it could have, it, yeah, it definitely could have been a lot worse, but you know, it, it is what it is. 
Uh, Jason, what do you got for us? Doom Patrol, okay. Season 3, Episode 9. Not the, We got the season finale that's on HBO Max tomorrow. tomorrow this is yeah. the, you know, the lead-up episode. Um, so I like this episode a lot. It's obviously not as good as the last episode because I think that last episode with the eternal flagellation and them getting into their memories, that was like, that, that was might really be my favorite episode of Doom Patrol. And if it's not, it's top three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but, but I liked this episode. It was good. Um, we get to see Madame Rouge and, uh, you know, kind of Rita face off. Uh, Madame Rouge has a, I like as Rita calls her a liar. She's a great line. Those weren't lies, just truths that changed our time. That's it. I mean, <laughs> the, the writing of this show is great. Um, we see uh, Matt Bomer, because I never remember. Larry, I never remember that guy's name. I just call mm-hmm. him Matt Bomer. But um, we find out that the 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 worm, ha- the, or the parrot, whatever it is, has a similar connection to him as the Traveler. So they're obviously setting up as, like, the Traveler is becoming its own thing, and they're going to have some symbiotic connection. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. Um, we find out Cyborg's dad, the reason he was late in picking up Cyborg and his mom, which led to Cyborg becoming Cyborg and his mom dying, was because he was being harassed by a racist security guard uh, in the, in uh, what does he work for, Star Labs, yes. who didn't recognize him and was kind of like, you know, giving him crap and, and it held him up. Um, so I thought that was, that was interesting. Uh Laura completely goes off the, the rails. She goes to the Brotherhood of Evil, which is in Boca Raton. <laughs> Love. A, Jason, we talked about this at the movie did. theater yesterday. We did. Tony, it's we can a, only give you visuals of, of what we're talking about here. So the yeah, the Brotherhood of Evil is a thing called the Big Brain that yep. is literally like in a canister with a brain. Yeah, and it's like a 1950s robot with a brain in it. <laughs> yes. And they're retired in Boca Raton because they were defeated by Niles Calder many years ago. And, and what was the ape? Is is kind of like the other member of the Brotherhood? Yeah, the gorilla. I forget his name, but it's like yeah. it's like his like his butler driver, but he's also part of like he's and also he has like a French. Board. He has a French English accent. The Mar- gorilla. Yeah, board. and he wears berets sometimes, yes. and he makes margaritas in this episode. <laughs> yes, he does. Which I love because Laura goes there and she's like, uh, I'm here for the Brotherhood of Evil. And you hear the gorilla going, well, I'm sorry, there's no Brotherhood of Evil. And then you hear like the big brain going, oh, Brotherhood of Evil, let her in, let her in. Oh, yeah, because they're just like, oh, maybe it's a, I think that brain says this, like, maybe it's a fan or maybe yeah. it's somebody like that. You should <laughs> let them in. We've been out of the picture for a while. Let's go. It's, it's freaking hysterical. Um, we find out that Kay and Cyborg have no powers, so they are not going to be helpful because Cyborg got his skin graft, which means yep. he's no longer Cyborg. He's just, I forget his real name, but whatever his real name is. Um, let's see. Uh, I have my note. The gorilla makes margaritas, which I love. Um, so uh, Cliff goes all like kicking evil ass. And his daughter shows up with the baby, right? Uh, the... Cliff's like the meds, you find out that so Cliff this whole time has Parkinson's, which I don't know how that works. I guess because it is his brain and Parkinson's. Yeah, so that was still, yeah. yeah it, it's a brain disease. But you find out through his conversation with his daughter that it's the 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 medication that like the which is illegal. Like he's taking like experimental medication for it. Well, he was downing That's, it like it was like MS. Forget like MMs exactly, and so that is what made him be so like hyped and amped with the gambling and the lust and 
why his impulse control has been so bad this season. So, um, Kay has a talk with Calder, but uh, but it's Cyborg instead. They kind of, which I really thought was cool. Like Cyborg and her get in this the room that we saw in the first season where they have the interviews with Miles Calder when they first come to him, mm-hmm. and Kay's like, I never. Jane got to do this and all the others got to do this. I never got to do the interview and Cyborg is like, all right, well, what would you say? And I thought that was a nice moment. Yeah, no, it was. Victor was yeah. doing a yeah, pretty cool thing. Then um, Madame Rouge comes to the mansion and shapeshifts into Cliff's grandbaby, which is bizarre. That was nuts. That was creepy also. And the fact that she didn't change back right away and fought no, them as was, the child with the adult face. It was so strange. Because they set up like, well, isn't it kind of um isn't it kind of convenient that your daughter comes and tells you she understands what you're going through and, and forgives you because of the medication? That's gotta be Madame Rouge. So he goes out with the intention of like confronting her, sees the baby by itself, and then his daughter comes down with the baby while he's holding it, and it's like Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was that was super cool. Um, then uh, Madame Rouge teleports Cliff away because the whole this all was about the big brain uh, getting Cliff's body so he can wait for it, enjoy his retirement more with a body that is an actual body and not just a canister with his brain. It's- all, that's his big, major evil plan. His master plan to, was to is, get Vixen. Yeah, to get to get Cliff's body, and you find out that he's the one who bought the the schematics from uh, Cliff when Cliff was having his like eBay binge. Yeah, when he sold them online. When he sold them online, exactly. Um, so Rita becomes a leader, which I really like because I think this season has been really doing great service with Rita as a sort of in the forefront. They've never really focused on her before and she kind of whips people into let we gotta rescue cliff he's one of us um then you go back to rouge and the big brain and gorilla they drug rouge and pretty much try to kill her like she i don't think she's dead but the cliffhanger is is that she's been thrown off a cliff while drugged um and then the brain takes cliff's body Yes, that was a great pun, by the way i try uh and (laughs) i want to give you i want to recognize that thank you I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> I do try. I don't. I don't like to point them out because that's not funny. Uh, but but you but other people pointing it out, love it. Um, glad I could. Right. Glad I could add something. <laughs> I appreciate that. And then so you see, like you know, he's got Cliff's body, and he's going to go partying in Boca Raton, and the bus full of the uh, the Doom Patrol are coming, and it flips, and Madam Madam Rouge of the cliff, and then we are done. That's the episode. Next next episode. So and so abruptly, it does end so abruptly, and I think it's a fun episode. It's not as good as the last one, but again, maybe two others are, if that. Um, this is a solid episode, and it makes me excited to see where this season is going, where it's going to end. Yeah, I mean, we, we still have the, as Tony has, has not heard us discuss here, but the zombie wear-ass. Zombie wear-ass. Is, is running around still. Yes, they were werewolves, not werewolves, but things that turned into asses. There were people they, that turned into asses and they mutated. Asses, like donkey asses or asses? No, like, no, 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 like, no like, like, like the crack in the middle. With the yeah, like, yeah, like, like yeah. cheeks and anus, and they're running around, and, it, and then... Uh, they get some lycanthropy given into them, and now they're were asses. Yeah, they're like zombies. I may have to check this Doom Patrol out. <laughs> you, 
Tony, you, I think you would enjoy it, man. It's a three seasons, and it's a crazy ride. <laughs> I, I, I think, I, I think out of the two HBO Max shows, Titans is 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 up more up Tony's alley. I Doom agree. Patrol, probably. Doom Patrol is as great as it is, and as smart as it is, it is out there. So you need to accept the things that we're talking, like the wear asses and things of that nature, and. Robot Man and Crazy Jane and you know Elastigirl and, Girl and Negative Man and yeah and, and the the ghost lot. of the ghost of uh, Timothy Dalton having sex with other sex ghosts <laughs> yeah there are sex ghosts also there yes there's there's a lot but it's, yeah. it's it is great as a, if a show is well written you can believe anything I mean well, that's great that's why it's so, so that's why we love it so much you know if it's if it's well written you know you believe anything so yeah you can get on board with it then. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, mm-hmm. so we got the season finale, uh, which surprises only 10 episodes this year of, of Doom Patrol. Yeah. We'll be talking that next week, but it drops on HBO Max tomorrow. Uh, but that gets us to the the finale of this episode of Granny's PhD, which is the new MCU film, Eternals. Uh, well, let's drop the spoiler warning on the bottom. So if you have not seen Eternals yet, because I know it's been out less than a week, just come back and check us out another time. The live show is probably not for you because we are about to spoil the living shit out of this one. So, oh yeah, spoil, oh, yeah. you know, listen, you've been warned. Don't want to hear any crap. And that's it. We are now past the spoiler warning. All right. So, definitely the most polarizing MCU film to date. Sure. Uh, if you look at the ratings on whatever the hell you want to look at it on, whether it's Rotten Tomatoes or Cinescore or whatever the heck it is, it's all over the place. So, and the MC, this is new for the MCU because we have not seen a film that has divided audiences like this. The audience score is much higher than the critic score, which after seeing the film three times now, I'm actually surprised. I thought it would be the other yeah. way around. I thought I'm surprised it'd be the, other that way the critics don't like this more. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I guess let's hit around with overall thoughts before we dig into more specifics about it. Um, I've seen the film three times now, so that can pretty much tell you that I enjoyed the film because if I didn't, I would have made it a Venom Let There Be Carnage and one and done and just screw it. I'll just go off of a one viewing and that's it. I want to be clear uh, that I saw this with Eddie on his third time yesterday for my first time, and I know what movies I can schedule to see with Eddie on his third time and what I what I have to see by myself. <laughs> Venom Let There Be Carnage, we couldn't make that happen that opening night. I knew you weren't seeing it again before sight unseen. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the, that's a good bet. That's, that's a good bet to take that one. Um, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed the film. Um, I thought it was a very different MCU film. Um, I think the knock against it is that I, I can see some audiences not liking it, uh, specifically younger audiences, because it doesn't have as much of the MCU action that I think that some would be accustomed to. So that's where I can see that can kind of turn people off, because this is a very character-driven deconstruction of superhero movies, uh, movie. And it kind of is, and, and Chloe Zhao, I know, mentioned this, that Man of Steel was an inspiration for her on her approach to Icarus. Uh, and I can kind of see that in the film. And we all know that we've covered it on this show. Man of Steel was a 
polarizing film for for fans as well. So I can see some of that in here, but I think this it's a really well made movie. I enjoyed it. Conversations happened. I was never bored with it at all. I was interested in what they were saying and its ramifications, which we'll get into in a little bit, uh, for the rest of the MCU are much bigger than I think people really understand that yep. that's what what it is. It does. It, it is a. This is a game changing film for the MCU. Um, Jason, since we spoke about it yesterday, I'm going to flip this to Tony now because mm -hmm. we have absolutely no idea what Tony thinks of this film. Right. So Don't we have lie. not chatted about it, right? Because we try not to chat too much about it if we can avoid it before. Uh, Tony, what did you? What, what are your thoughts? Overall thoughts on Eternals? Um, I did not love it. Okay. Um, I did not hate it. I don't think it. I don't think it was a bad movie. Okay. Um, I just I don't love. I did not love it at all. Um, I am a guy who usually comes out of a Marvel film, and I could pick out every great thing that was said or done, or you know, you know, picked up, whatever the case may be. And I, I am, I am a big Marvel guy, and you guys both know that. Mm -hmm. And this is the first time in a long time that I watched a Marvel anything and just kind of was like, I, I don't know, like, I, I, and I'll, I'll break down a couple of things that I, I, I just, I felt that, um, that took away from the film. I thought the action sequences were <laughs> dynamic. I, Plus, thank you. Good there, bud. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Tried to hit the mute button, but missed it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought the action sequences were dynamic. I, I really, I, I thought that each, um, it, they got to display the power and uh, of each Eternal, which, uh, which, which was great. You know, you, you got to see, even though his, his, you know, his short time with Gilgamesh and, you know, even Makari at the end, like you really, you got a real sense of how powerful they actually are. And it was, it was great to see. Um, there just wasn't enough of it. I, I just, you know, the sequences, the end sequence was great. You know, the sequence in the forest was great. Um, the sequence in the beginning was great. But, you know, even in, you know, even in London, that was, you know, when they, when they first realized that the deviants were back, I thought that was really, really well done. It just wasn't enough. It wasn't mm -hmm. enough. Like you have a two and a half hour movie. You can't have, you know, four, you know, 35 minutes worth of action sequences it's got you you, you can't you, not not a not a comic book movie not not a movie like this i understand where they're trying to set up i understand and there are tremendous implications going forward and that and that's it but there are things they could have completely cut out of this movie and you would not have it would there would have been no no problem whatsoever okay if they first of all i thought that the 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 painfully telling of Cersei and and Icarus's love together was way 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 overdone it, it, it wasn't it was unnecessary you wanted you could have you could have you could have done a better job of telling that story without going into the painstakingly detailed story of what you know how they felt for each other how much he loved her you know how she felt you know how she felt and so on and so forth you could have done that and cut 10 minutes of that story out, okay? I have a problem with the fact of the quote-unquote love scene between the two of them. Completely unnecessary, 
okay? This is a movie, and this is a series that you are not only as adults. Look, if this was an adult movie, if this is Deadpool, if this is whatever, you want to do something like that, that's perfectly fine. But you have built this series that not only are you going to have adults that are going to see it, but you're going to have children that are going to see it. There was no reason for it, okay? There was no reason. They could have done the wedding thing. They could have done a, a, a kissing scene, so on and so forth. That would have been enough. To add that aspect in made no sense whatsoever to me, okay? Okay. Leave it out. There was no reason to have it in there. You have a two-hour and 47-minute movie. You're not looking to, to – you know, to, 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 you know, to add screen time for any specific reason. It, it didn't tell you anything. It didn't add to the story at all. There was no reason to have it in there. And I feel like they just did it to do it. Okay. We haven't done this yet. Let's do it. There was no reason for it. Okay. Um, that part of it is that right off the bat. I saw this like, I, well, what, what are they doing? Why would you put, why? It doesn't make any sense to do that. Um, Going past that, um, again, lots of lots of dialogue, lots of storytelling, lots of everything. I thought the comedic adding, you know, additions were fantastic. I thought Kingo was great. I thought Karun was fantastic. He was. You at some point before we got to that, I'm I'm saying to myself, they better introduce somebody. That can do. That's going to be able to, you know, to add a laugh here or there. So because it's going to be a very, very long two hours if you don't add some type of comic relief in there somewhere. So I was glad to see the part with Kingo and 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 with Karun. I thought he was he was great. He stole every scene he was in. Stole. I thought he was he was absolutely great. Yeah, Kingo is um, actually my favorite member of the Eternals. Mine too. He, what yeah. he was fantastic, right? And I and really I I, I didn't have a problem with any other. Characters. I loved Gilgamesh. I loved the relationship that he had with 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 the with Thena. They, I, uh, you know, and that's a perfect example right there. You knew the love that Thena and 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 Gilgamesh had for each other. Okay, maybe it wasn't of a sexual nature, but you knew that the two of them cared very deeply for each other. That's all. You were able to tell that story without showing anything else. Like, why would you just leave it alone? Okay. Now you get to the point where they get to Fastos. Okay. Now, once again, I have no problem with the fact of the family dynamic. I have no problem with the fact that he is, you know, is, is gay. He's married to a man. They have a child together. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make a difference. Why do you need to have that kiss at the end? There's no reason for it. None. Okay? It's just like it's like you're taking a political view and now you're going to say okay we haven't done this before so let's do it leave it out leave it out there's no reason there was no reason for that and again this is all my opinion this is just no no this is your opinion you know what i'm saying this is just my opinion you guys may have different opinions about it i didn't see any need whatsoever i did not need to see him kiss him goodbye to know that the two of them loved each other okay you could tell just from the scene that they had together okay where he told him that he needed to go and he needed to do this and they needed to protect them, the, their family and their, their son together. They, they I, I need nothing else. That was, I knew how they felt and I was great and I was fine with that. So you get to the part with, you know, they go, they go back and everything uh, beautifully done, beautifully done. I, Icarus being the way that he was not being, you know, being so focused on task of, being an eternal, why they were there, 
They have done this so many different times. Not going against what Arishem wanted them to do. I understood altogether. I thought it was really, really well played. Richard Madden did a fantastic job with it. I loved it. I loved all of that. These other things and the fact that I think the movie was probably 15 to maybe 20 minutes too long, that you just could have cut little things here and there and out that you just didn't need. And the other thing about it, the only one thing out of all the characters, Sprite did absolutely nothing for me. I, it's like a, if you could have erased her from the movie and you would have, for me, I, I don't think I would have. It, it didn't. She just did not do. She did nothing for me. Okay. Um, so I'm sorry to go off on a tangent, but I had a lot. Uh, no, it's fine. There's a lot to unpack in this in this movie. Which, so to, right. to, I, 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 yeah. To sum up, what Tony didn't like about this movie was that people got it on. <laughs> I, I missed one oh, there segment. Is. There I it is. No, no, that, one... that was good. That there was, was no way to get it in Supergirl, but I got it. I'm pretty sure I got it in every other segment. I'm sorry, Tony. No, no, you didn't I get it in Doom help. Patrol. We skipped over Doom Patrol. Oh, damn it! There was no, but no oh, one was, got it. No one got it on. In there. No one got it on. But but I could have said that Cliff's thing was his libido was because he got it or whatever. Right. All right. All right. I'm a terrible co-host. I get it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Tony. Go ahead. <laughs> no. No, that's it. I mean, I again, I didn't, I didn't dis, I, I, I didn't dislike it. I would not. It's definitely a movie I will see again. Um, it's I don't think it's as poorly done as say Thor: The Dark World. I don't think that it's anywhere near that. But I can tell you that we've gotten three MCU movies this year. We've gotten Black Widow, we've gotten uh, Shang Chi, and now we've gotten Eternals. And I will tell you that, in my opinion, Eternals is well is definitely the third, and it's not even close. Okay. Um... All right, um, before I, I will share other thoughts or at least comment back on some of the things that Tony had said. But Jason, um, your overall thoughts on, on Eternals? I, I really enjoyed it. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I like the characters. Uh, I, I, I This is one of my favorite things to do in an MCU movie is to go into a movie and not know who the characters are or what the hell's going on. And that was this. I didn't know any of these people before. I've never read the Eternals. I'll probably never read the Eternals. Matter of fact, I asked Eddie. Not many you know, have. There was a, not many have. You know, there, there's a whole, there, there's a twist, which we'll get to. I'm not going to get to it now. But I actually said to Ed, like, uh, is that canon in the comics? And it was like, I don't know. man. <laughs> like, so, you know, I, I like the fact that I didn't know anything about them. I like the actors. I thought the casting was great. Um, again, Kingu was my favorite. I agree with you, uh, Tony. Like Kingu's, I forget their names, but Kingu's like sir, like a uh, butler or sidekick or whatever he was. Yeah, Karen. Brilliant. Karen. Okay, Karen. Karen. Brilliant, brilliant. Like yeah. he is one of the one of my favorite parts. Like the scenes with the the, the where he keeps pulling at different cameras and sprites. Like how many goddamn cameras do you have? <laughs> like you know, always big extra, sir. <laughs> great stuff. Um. I, I have to admit, like I, I didn't mind the I didn't mind the sex scenes. Um I, I see where you're going. I see what you're saying, Tony. Like, were they a hundred percent necessary for the story? No, I found that the Icarus Cersei sex scene made it a bit more believable when in the end, because I'll just jump to it, where Icarus sort of cannot kill her. I think yes. whether whether it was successful or not. I think what they were attempting to do was trying to show more of a bond between these two characters that we've seen in MCU movies to justify that what ultimately becomes the villain of the movie cannot go through with what he wants to do. Now, was it successful or not? 
all right, we can argue about that. But I, I think that was the intention. Uh, so I didn't I mind that so I, much. I, I don't want to cut you off, but I, I agree with you 100% on that. But here, here's my thing. The two of them, you saw the, you saw the wedding. You saw that the fact that they were married and so on and so forth. And they, they, they mentioned at least, at least three or four times during the course of this movie that they spent 7,000 years together. Okay. I don't need to see the two of them on top of each other to know that to spend 7,000 years with someone, it takes a very, very powerful love in order to do that. Yeah, no, okay. I, I get so what you're saying. I, again, that's so that's it's, my it's, that's my thing. So it's a matter of if if what their intention worked or not. That's all. Mm -hmm. um, right. And and you know, I didn't I didn't mind it so much. I I kind of because I kind of watched this going. This is not for kids. And maybe maybe look, it was PG thirteen, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yep. Pretty much right. now. So, so yeah. may, maybe they should have made this a soft R movie. Like, you know, and, and they didn't because that would cut into profits. But I and that would have maybe gone like, OK, so now you don't you know not to bring your kids there. And if you do, well, just like Deadpool, that's on you. Um, I, I kind of like that they were going for more adult themes in a Marvel movie. Like I had said to Ed, like we we've talked about how these Marvel movies always try to do like, you know, oh, Ant-Man's a heist movie, and this movie is like the, the magic movie, sure. and this movie's yeah. it's a horror movie. Yeah, and I think this movie the, was... Whatever, the, uh, right. the spy movie. And... Exactly. And I think this movie was trying to be the kind of adult drama movie, like the, you know, of the MCU. Now, whether that works or not, that's up to interpretation. But I think that that's why those things didn't bother me. Um, however, you know, also my kid isn't old enough to take to see these movies. So maybe I would have a different perspective if I was taking my, you know, 10 year old, 12 year old, 13 year old son to a PG 13 movie with a sex scene. And that's kind of where I'm going with this because, you know, so, my, my, and my, both of my kids are very into the Marvel movies. They have seen 90% of all of them. I think there's a few that they haven't seen, you know, or whatever. And, we're, we have plans to you know from the beginning and start to watch them from, from Iron Man all the way through. But when you get to something like this, it's, you know, like you, you've built the whole series on the fact that it's not just adult themes. And that was the whole question about Deadpool was how is Deadpool going to be right. handled? Is it going to be, is it going to continue to be the art? But if you know going into Deadpool that there's going to be language, there's going to be, you know, inappropriate things in that movie. That's different. This wasn't that like I didn't take them to see it opening night and I don't typically do that. But, you know, like that's something now that I mean, it's not like it's not the end of the world. It wasn't anything so, too graphic. It just they, to, to me, you could have gone. You, the story could have continued and you would have understood everything without it. So let me let, so let me ask you this question, Tony, since because mm -hmm. this is also a darker thing that we we haven't talked about. How did you feel about the suicide? We also get our first. MCU suicide in this movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Icarus like, literally off yeah. himself. Yep. So like, I mean, that's dark. That's not appropriate for kids. Like, did you, were you also, did you also take Like, what was that something that you kind of thought should have been different as well? And, and either way, I'm just curious, like, like what the, cause I thought that was really dark. I actually thought I would rather see, I'd rather my child see, an innocent like because that was innocent like there's nothing like I look when I was I would even call I it saw, a, I would even call it a soft core I saw I worse, I, yeah there's worse I saw worse on, on Showtime you know but yeah. but I'd rather see I'd I'd rather my child see something like 
a brief innocuous sex scene than um, a suicide scene. So I'm curious where you felt on uh, how you felt about that one because that was also pretty dark for a PG-13 movie. Well, look, I mean, having Icarus realize that you know he you know he needed to do whatever he needed to do. Okay, I mean, if it would have been in a more graphic nature where he would have blown his brains like, out or fair. so on and so forth, then yeah, I would have had a problem with that. That's but fair. The fact that he flies off into the sun, you know, I, you know, it's a little bit more, you know, he realized that, you know, this was that he, he couldn't be, you know, he couldn't be here anymore. He couldn't be around them anymore and that he needed to, you know, deal with it his own way. And that's what he did. So, yes, is it a, it's, a, it's, a, it's obviously an extreme decision which which he made. And obviously, I wish he didn't have it because I actually, I actually really enjoyed the Icarus character. I, but I did too. I really enjoyed. I, you know, and I, I, I hope there's a, you know, spot in the multiverse for him to come back and whatever. But you know, the point being is that if it would have been more of a graphic nature, I would have probably, you know, look. I mean, look, in, in Wonder Woman, there's there's the innuendo of her and Steve and so on and so forth. You know, when they're, you know, when after they, you know, had the the thing with the the, the Battle of No Man's Land. Yeah. But it wasn't graphic, okay? It was just an innuendo, okay? So it's, you know, there's a look, there's a kiss, whatever. The door closes, boom, done, whatever. We know what's going on, but it was left to, you know, the imagination. This wasn't. So uh, once again, like, you could do it tastefully, whereas an adult and a, a, watching an adult drama would know what's going on and that it's not so graphic. And that's my that would was my issue with it. Okay. So it's a it's all about what you see and what they're, oh, what no, they're I, showing you. They show absolutely. You. I, I was just I was I was just trying to get a sense of the uh, of like where the lines were drawn for you. That was all. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I yeah, and I agree absolutely. with you. The, the the Icarus thing. It's a suicide, but it's it's not like you're right. He's not put, putting a bullet to his head. You know, it's right. He goes in the sun. Obviously. Yeah. So that, that makes mm -hmm. sense. But yeah, overall, I like the movie. I did. So that, that's kind of my review of my whole thing about the movie. I enjoyed it. Um, could it have been shorter? God, I think every movie can be shorter because I have such a small attention span as I get older. But but again, I really did enjoy what, what I saw. Um, yeah, I, I didn't touch on some of the points here because I wasn't really interjecting with, with a lot of this. Um, I do think from the very get-go... Oh, um, from the get-go... I felt this was a more adult Marvel movie than than we've gotten before, um, and I was I'm sorry. Uh, let me go check the. Okay, there we go. I was wondering what happened with Jason was stepping away for yeah. a second. Um, yeah, so I, I felt it was definitely a more adult Marvel movie than we've gotten before, um, from a, from a lot of things. Uh, as far as the sex scene goes. I mean, I thought it was, in my opinion, it was tastefully done. It was like from the shoulder up, maybe you know, like I, I didn't it think it was. It, it, my 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 thing was yeah. looking at watching whatever it was, yeah. looking at the expressions on the faces, like that. Well, because it was on. No, yeah, no, no, was new. Yeah, right. No, no, so, we, we know. We yes, we're, we're all adults here. We we know what was going on. It's mm -hmm. fine, as. As someone, I mean, I also admit I, I saw a lot of things at a young age in film that I probably should not have seen, same and that's and that's fine. So maybe like, to same me, here, I was numb here. to it. Yeah, I was I watched, maybe numb I, to it. I, I watched the uncut think, Revenge of the Nerds when I was seven or eight. Yes, I saw Nightmare on Elm Street yeah. when I was like six or seven years old. So 
and RoboCop and all of that. Yeah. Yeah, the shine. I watched the, the Shining when I was a kid. Yes. I think my mother took me to see Grease was one of the first movie I saw in the theater. So watch that movie now. You're like, so it's what, believe what, me. What, I get it. I, I'm gonna drop this quick, and I'm gonna keep moving on with Eternals. Never seen Grease. Don't really? want to. Don't want to see oh. Grease. Bro, so go, go anyway, as we were saying phenomenal. with Eternals, phenomenal movie. As phenomenal. we were saying I with Eternals, it's fine. It's fine. Go ahead. Um, no, I, I just felt that a lot of themes in it is a very it's an adult MCU film. No knocking against the others because they're listen. Uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier is a political spy thriller, so yep. more Absolutely. adult theme than some of the uh, the other Phase Two movies at that point. But I do think that at Phase Four you are going to start exploring more different things. You do need to keep changing it up because I have said on this show and I've spoken to you guys off, off camera. One of my favorite things about the MCU is that we get different things all the time. This mm -hmm. was an adult deconstruction of superheroes that again, I think this is something that the DCU has does more often yeah. like with man of steel and things like that. That's and Batman versus Superman. It happens in there as well. And this is the approach where Marvel took to that. And that's was kind of my understanding going into it. And like Tony, what you were saying is, yeah, if you're taking your kids to go see Eternals, I think that the kids are gonna kind of be somewhat bored with it. I, I would I can totally see that. I think 13, 14 year old Ed would have probably been bored with this film, but not 41 year old Ed actually enjoyed it. It's a little bit different. Um and as far as it goes with the with this with the scene with the you know the, the same sex kiss scene, to me it didn't matter. It was just like Steve and Peggy kissing or whoever else kissing. For that, then just any couple kissing that we've seen in the MCU, Pepper and Tony or whoever, it didn't it didn't do anything to me. Like it was just like, hey, cool, that's it. They're a couple, I get it. He cares about his family deeply. He's you know, he's going off to battle. And he's even saying he didn't want to leave them. And that was it. He was just like, hey, listen, it was going off to war to go fight, you know, what it is. So that's why I, I didn't really – I was fine with it. And, again, this this film is a groundbreaking film. For That's one of the reasons is that the cast is an extremely diverse cast, which is, mm -hmm. which is cool to see because if you look at the comic version of these characters, they're pretty much, you know, yeah. a bunch of dudes who are just, you know, kind of there. And that's it. And you change it up. And again, you could do that with this property too, because nobody barely knows who the Eternals are yeah. to begin with. Right. So, so you can you can uh, you know, interchange or whatever. And I think interchanging. Right. And I thought the casting was fantastic. I really no, did. Yeah, I no, everyone was great. Yeah. yeah. I think they hit on everybody. Okay. I thought Gilgamesh was great. I yep. thought um, uh, uh, I thought Athena was great. I thought um, Kingo. I mean, yeah, Kingo. He Kingo Kingo was yeah. He was fantastic. Richard Madden was great. Cersei was great. Yeah, you know, like they, uh, Ajax. I mean, they all were yeah. very, very good. The uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kit Harrington as, as Dane Whitman. Fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. which we, we didn't even really get into yet, but we will because when we oh, discuss know, the post credits scene. Yes, but I mean, you, is that a you, black knight that walked by? Yeah, no, never. <laughs> so I, it's, I, the groundbreaking part of it, I agree. But again, it, it just it didn't. When I like I said that scene where you, you okay, so it's not like it's a secret, okay that 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 Fastos is, is gay. It yeah. it doesn't matter, okay. You see it, you you can see that scene where 
he comes in and he's looking at him and he's like, you have to go. And he's like, no, fuck no, I don't got to go. I'm not going, right? Yeah, because he gave up on humanity. He was like, yeah. Yeah. He's like, he's like, fuck these people. I ain't doing nothing. He says, I'm staying right here with you and and our son, and we're staying here, and and that's it. And I'm going to protect you from here. And you could just see that that scene is so well acted, right? That you can tell how much they care about each other, how much they love him, how much they love their life together. It is the perfect scene, Okay. You didn't need anything else. Like, that was it. I feel like they just put it, and it's not, I'm not against that. What I'm against is, is that you put it in just to put it in. There was no yeah. reason for it. The scene alone was enough to show you how much they cared about each other, how much they loved each other, and how much they I loved their life. Saying. You know, and how tied so it was to humanity. So if it was a more of a secret thing and the way you find out that they're together is their kiss, you'd be okay with it because it serves a narrative purpose. Exactly. That's not what happened here. This was, you knew, I already knew. It was it. I'm like, this is perfect. But then I'm like, at some point, I'm like, they're they're getting ready and they're going to leave. And I'm like, they're going to throw it in here. I know they're going to throw it in just to just, it's like, okay, if we, if we didn't give it to you enough, now we're going to hit you over the head with a sledgehammer with it. It was just unnecessary. You, you you had the scene, and to me, it cheapens the scene because you already know. And it's like, okay, now let's just let's put it, you know, put, just like you put, just like you just pointed out in the Supergirl, um, where, where she said, you know, you don't touch me without consent. That was the only reason that was put in there is for effect. It's it was well, forced I, in. I think I think it's a little different because the scene no, that we were talking about with Supergirl was literally in the middle of a fight. Where he well, no, hit her with a laser. They put the line in there just to say, "Oh, look, you know, we're, you know, we're we're bringing awareness to it, and we're, it's it's fine. Like if it's if it if it fits, put it in. But I feel like there was no reason for it because you already had established everything you needed to know about these two. You had the whole thing right in front of you, and it was a great scene. It was a perfect scene." That's that's why I had a problem with it. I have no problem with 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 it in its in and itself. I have no problem with with affection. That's not it. But the the scene itself with the two of them talking that was enough, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I just to, to personally, I just chalk it up as in that case, then no character should ever kiss another character in a film because we kind of got the point. Not- it's. I mean, okay. that's, that's not where I'm. That's not. No, no, I, I, no, Tony. I understand what you're saying. I'm just talking about from my point of view. That's all. Mm-hmm. I understand your point of view. From I'm not saying that there shouldn't yeah. be anything like that. It's just yeah. that again, it's not. You know, like the the the, the this. Uh, I'll give you an example. Okay, if you go back to Civil War, and the scene where Cap and Sharon kiss. Right. Yeah. There had been tension there, kind of. He was pissed about the fact that she lied and whatever. And then the whole thing with Peggy and all this other stuff. Right. That scene was like, OK, it was like they were kind of just circling the wagons. You didn't know what was going on there. And then, boom, it happened. Right. Mm-hmm. Appropriate. It was just appropriate at the moment. So. This was not that. You well, actually, if anything, that kiss I have more of a problem with because they never went anywhere with it. That was the end of that whole storyline, and then he was back with Peggy. Well, she disappeared and Peggy after that. She no, but, no, no. I mean, well, I mean, she was, she was. Yeah, I mean, we don't see a lot of her after that. But I just think that that was the Civil War kiss. I thought was kind of pointless because again, that whole thread never went anywhere again. It was just like poof, gone. Mm-hmm. This 
fine, whatever. It, it's two people again. And as far as the sex scene thing goes, yes, it's the most graphic we've ever seen, which is still not saying much because it's still not very graphic when you're no. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's literally bare shoulders. But we've also seen other innuendos in Iron Man when Tony sleeps with the reporter and they're, you know, he's drunk and they roll off the bed or whatever it was. I think it's something like that, if I remember correctly. And mm-hmm. then and there's that. Um, was there any other? No, I think um, we, we go sexless that... after Iron Man. Yeah, I think literally it's Iron Man yeah. and Eternals. So there's like 20-something movies 20, yeah. in between that are there. And, and 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 again and again again and it's not it's not again it's not a graphic scene because yeah they were in there or whatnot or whatever but that also goes to tell the story the playboy part of Tony Stark as well because yeah. what are you doing you're showing that he meets this you know he gets this girl he you know she's gonna do the interview whatever he connives her into whatever right which mm-hmm. she wakes up and then he's gone and then they throw her out of the house and that's the end of it so. It just kind of goes to all, you know, it goes to show you, which again, during Iron Man 1, they go to great length to show you that Tony Stark, though he is Iron Man and he's brilliant, he's a dick. And that's, oh, no, he you is. know, he's that's very much. tied for many directly reasons, yeah. to the story. Which yeah, for, me, for many reasons. You didn't need to know that Cersei and Icarus slept together to tell the rest of the story about how much they loved each other. Like, if you just, so you're basically saying like, well, they had sex, so now, you know, that they're you know, that they're eternally tied to each other. That's doesn't really tell a story there. It's just, it just, again, it just doesn't, there's no reason for it. Like I know that the two of them care about each other. They got fucking married and lived together for 7,000 years. That's enough. I get it. Tony, did they have sex or did they get it on? I think they got it on. <laughs> all right. Um, look, I, I, I missed doom patrol. I had to get a second one in this one. <laughs> All right, so we we have definitely deconstructed a a kiss and a sex scene for yes. quite a bit of it, but let's let's keep it moving on here. Um, I guess with the uh, just to hit on the characters like we talked about, you know, Icarus. I thought it was a, another big first for the MCU though was that you know kind of like their quote unquote Superman was turns out to be kind of the villain. Yeah, not ex- I- not the full villain, but you know like. Pretty, pretty big deal, which was a twist and a big first for the MCU that I thought was a pretty daring thing to do there. Because he was on front and center on all the posters and stuff like that. And you find yeah. out, like... Uh, and, and, and he's front and center in the beginning of the movie as a hero. Like, he, uh, Icarus shows up to save them from in, in London in the beginning. And you know about uh, Cersei and Icarus's past. Like, they go to great pains to make us think Icarus is a good guy just to go... <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, and much you know? better twist than the last twist they tried in Iron Man Three with the whole much, fucking fiasco that was there. Much better. Much which better. We'll, we'll get into one day at some point when we talk about that. Uh, but I want to talk about the London scene too. So out of the three of us, I'm the only one who watched Game of Thrones, right? Yes. I mean, I haven't seen it. I don't know. All if right. So knows. you're aware that Richard Madsen. Madden and uh Arrington were, were both they were brothers in Game of Thrones, they were Stark mm-hmm. brothers, and there was a scene every the three times I've seen this film, when they share that scene in London and they kind of greet each other, the second they're in the same frame, there are crowds who are like they get a, a chuckle out of it, like a, a quick giggle, and I put a smile on my face every time because again, they're like reunited because in Game of Thrones, Rob Stark, who uh Richard Madden plays, ends up dying. And then Kit Arrington is Jon Snow, and you know he knows nothing 
which I'm sure you guys have heard that John Snow knows mm-hmm. nothing because it's beat into your head many times over the long course of Game of Thrones. I thought that was a cool scene, though. I thought it was a cool little nod that was there, you know, that they had that. And there was also a main character named Cersei, who's also a big Game of Thrones character well, as well. I kind of like that all of the character names, which goes to, I don't know if you, because I never can see my name on this. I always pick fun names that no one can see. But it's because my name today yeah, it's... is Beowulf the Eternal, because all of their names are like important mythological or like ancient literary figures like Gilgamesh and Circe and and Athena is Athena and yes. so I thought that was kind of cool like and and that that's kinda, I think that's why I liked Sprite as much as I did because I liked there were two things about Sprite I liked I liked Sprite being a child that never grows up especially when you find out why they I mean we're spoilerific here so you know yes. hashtag spoilers the Eternals are just robotic tools that Arishim created to fancy propagate celestials. Yeah. That's all they are, which is why they don't age. And and Sprite actually has a great moment where she goes, why did Arishim make me like this? And it, it's at the end, too. Um, which I really, I, I like that. And I also like that like Sprite is kind of the dick throughout, but she's also the storyteller. Like, I like that like, Gilgamesh is a story in our culture because of her. Icarus is a story in our culture because of her. Like she does, and she she uses her like uh, lights to entertain. So I I really actually liked the like rooting of into um, human history. And I think that's why I like the the flashbacks so much too, because the flashbacks really show. Like I think I enjoyed the flashbacks more than I enjoyed the modern stuff because it was like. Oh, okay. So that's how that happened. You know, like you can see, they kind of leave you breadcrumbs to see their influence over time from that very first knife that we see, like, you know, uh, as we go through the movie. And so I really enjoyed that. I liked, and I wanted to mention that too. I didn't get to uh, talk about that yet, but I also enjoyed Sprite too. Her whole story arc that's there about, again, the whole internal struggle with her not growing old and she can't have like a relationship like she, makes herself look a certain way when we see her in the bar. And then once the guy sees it, she gets frustrated and walks away. And they follow that and follow that. And then she's fine, you know, she's in love with, uh, with, Icarus. with Icarus, Icarus, which, you know, uh, Kingo points pretty much his analogy is perfect and spot on with the whole Peter Pan and she's Tinkerbell mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I thought that's cool. And then it also drives her motivation to follow uh, Icarus, you know, after he decides to leave. And then at the end, which the, the end part what I thought was a, maybe a little wonky where it was like you literally Cersei's like, yo yeah, I can and I got some of his leftover juju pretty much. I can make you a human and you can age and you can have a real life. Uh, but you literally stabbed me in the back five minutes ago. Like she literally stabbed her in the back five minutes ago. I know, but Jason, I know what you're gonna say, but, yeah. but I, I think it smooths it over because she kind of agrees the motivation and Icarus his whole thing, and it's just kind of like, all right, guys, we fucked up. We get it. We're gonna move on because we are a family, and that's kind of what we did. Yeah, that that was that was that's kind of yeah. why that worked for me. Um, yeah. And I I want to point out too, like since we're talking about the end about Icarus's choice, so Icarus decides, so you know, to jump to the end, and because we're jumping around here, yeah. Um, you know, the the celestial Arishim is the, the whole plot. By the way, the defenders, the defenders, <laughs> the Eternals are not necessarily good guys. They're sent no. there on earth 
to pretty much protect the a celestial growing in the core that will eventually wake right. up and rip itself out of the planet and destroy the planet. Now, a couple things interesting here. The first is Arisham's not 100% wrong. He's just not from Earth. Yeah. Because let me ask you guys this question. If sending something that would to like an ant farm, right? Mm-hmm. That would birth. It's the only way to birth another human being to do whatever us human beings do outside that ant farm is to send send a seed there into that ant farm, send people to protect it, and eventually you know it will destroy the ant farm. As human beings, what do you do? Do you choose the yeah. ants or the human? Well, we didn't get to know the ants, so we don't care. That's right. it. Be, be and, done and, with it. And, and that's I, what I, I liked it. about it. Right. And I find it interesting that you, you know, that you, you made the comparison with Icarus as actually being the quote unquote villain, right? But Icarus technically wasn't the villain. He just was doing what he was created yeah. and told to do yeah, by yeah. his he's, so like he's an antagonist, he was, not a villain. Exactly. Yeah. Like he was just he all he was doing was doing what he was supposed to do, which mm-hmm. was to the and, and you yeah. heard King and you and Kingo really Though he didn't take it to the extreme that Icarus did, he agreed with Icarus. Oh, no, he did 100%. And he said, said, he goes, look, he says, you know, you're looking at just this planet where the celestial is going to create billions upon billions of life forms. He says, you know, it's just this is the way that it's done. This is this is the way that it's supposed to be. You know, like if we mess with that. They're gonna be there's gonna be worlds and and and, and whatever and, and lives that are that are gonna be lost. So the ones that you're saving are the ones that you're you know you're gonna save these to not destroy, you know, to, to not to be able to create more. And that's you know, that's really I'll, where that I'll was the, the mentality of both of them. I don't I don't think Icarus is the villain or a villain because he tries to stop them from waking the celestial. I think Icarus is the villain because he crosses a line Kingu will not. Exactly. Kingu says, I don't agree with this. Right, right. right. I'm, I'm like, yeah, he says, I don't. He gets don't Gilgamesh killed. Yeah, he gets kills Gilgamesh Ajax. killed. He kills Ajax. Like, Kingu is, I'm, I, don't, I don't like this. I don't agree with it. And I'm not going to help you. But I'm also not going to hurt any of you because you're family. And, I, and that's what I think this movie is about. That's kind of why I liked it is this, they are a family. Whether and, and it's like the Tolstoy quote, right? Every family is alike. Or every dysfunctional family is alike in their own way or something like that. You know what I mean? And so this is a dysfunctional family of Eternals who some of them like each other and some of them cannot stand each other. Like, Icarus hates Druid. He hates him. Yeah. Right? You can tell that throughout the whole thing. He revels in killing him in the end. But I think that's what makes Icarus the villain even over Druid because Druid's not a good guy, right? Druid is actually on – like, I don't think he's a hero – but he's not a villain because he doesn't say I'm gonna when he leaves them in Mesop was it Mesopotamia or whenever he leaves them to take to sort of take over that town to stop them from killing each other he says I'm gonna do what I want to do I'm not gonna fight you but if you want to stop me you gotta kill me right yeah. and I think that's why this that's why I think Icarus is a villain in this because so many of the the Eternals are given a choice of fight your family to get what you want or sort of do it through different means. And Druig does it. Kingu does it. Icarus is the extremist. Icarus is the, 
um, the radical, like, you know, there's no other way we have to do this. And even if I have to kill everyone I love, and I think that's what makes him the villain because you can always, they are family. You can always work with family in the zeitgeist of, you know, media. And he decides to go the violent route. So, but I agree with you. His intentions do not make him villainous. He is just doing what he was built to do. It's the way he executes it that I have a problem with. Right. And, 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 Look, and he tells them basically. He goes, "Don't, don't, don't make me, don't make me hurt you." Like he he tells he tells you that he tells them that the only one that he took out was Ajax, and he did that because he knew that she was the most powerful one, and she was the one that was going against what Arishem had told them to do. You know, which little did he know, I guess, at that time that he was create that they were created to do. So, yes, no, he did know that. I think he did know that. He did know that. Because because right. so, Ajax knew that. Yeah. Right. Well, he so, didn't want he didn't want Ajax to tell the rest of the team and get the because remember the rest of the Eternals don't know what their whole real purpose was at that point. Right. Only Icarus and Ajax know. A, uh, Icarus doesn't want Ajax telling the rest of the team, "Hey, listen, this is what's really up." You know, let's all stop the emergence because he knows they would have probably went ahead and went along with it. And he was like, "No, this is our mission. We're going to stay on course." Right. Screw but, this. So I got to take her out. But look, but let's look at this story through the prism of Captain America: um, Civil War, because it's a very similar Agreed. situation. Because Cap felt a certain way about about the Accords, and Tony felt that they needed to follow along and you know and keep the team together at all costs. Okay, so you have really, and you know, Cap was the one that basically said, "Okay, well, you're not. We're gonna we're gonna fight our way through this." And you remember, even, you know, you know, Natasha says to him at one point, do you really want to try to punch your way out of this? So you have, it's a similar, it's a similar situation. It's not exact, but you're really looking at it as two where you have Icarus and everybody else and, you know, Ajax and everybody else that saying, he's saying, this is our mission. This is what we have to do. And yes, I agree with you. Kingo agreed with him and he, you know, he would not partake in any of it. Either right. saving or, but he did offer to. He did go to Icarus and say, "I'll be with you to the end." So he did offer to do that. But he, a, he, but, a, but, but I, not fight, but not harm his but, family, though. Yes, he but offered. That. He offered to help Icarus bring upon the emergence. But and I and I think this is the difference. This is the difference in this in Civil War, is mm-hmm. no one in Civil War says. You know what? It is so important we stop or get the accords through that I'm Steve Rogers, I'm gonna kill Iron Man and do it. Or I'm Iron Man, I'm gonna kill Steve Rogers to do it. Their fight in Civil War, they even say they're pulling their punches at some point. Maybe it's not yeah, Civil yeah. War, maybe it's, it's the one after, but well, no, no, it's, it's Civil War, it's between Natasha, yeah. So it's like they're they're trying to tell them that she's pulling that he's pulling the punches. That's it. So they're trying to subdue each other, but they're not trying to kill each other. And I think that's what that's what sets Icarus apart from them. But I think that's where, like, what the the, the Civil War thing. That's where like Kingu and Sprite at first, uh, maybe not. I mean, Sprite's a different story because her motivation is not anything but like uh, infatuation for Icarus. But like, I think that's the difference. Like, Kingu is more the Tony Stark or the the Captain America. Like. Look, I'll 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 fight where I pull my punches if I have to, but I'm not going to kill anyone. I'm not going to hurt anyone. And Icarus is like, 
I will murder every single one of my siblings to make this happen. And I get where he's coming from because it's literally what he was built to do. But I do think the movie is commenting on the fact that, you know, and I think this is why he kills himself at the end because he realizes it. Like he does, he goes to such an extreme that he's irredeemable in his own eyes. Both right? in, his eyes. Eyes. in his eyes. In his eyes. Yeah. But, Both, but yeah. I, but at, you you do realize you do realize that that thing that Fa that Fastos had created that allowed them all to link their powers Unimized. and then Unimized. and right and be able to channel it to Cersei, he was part of that. Yeah, no, so he, well, no, no point, he did. He participated in the Unimind. Yes, right. So he realized at that point that he had gone too far, and that this was the right thing to do, and he basically submitted and. And added his power as well, because remember yeah. she couldn't do it until he did that. Because Although, she, it well, didn't have, it was only working to a certain point, and then it's like, and then once he added, because you, I mean, again, they go through great lengths and, to explain that he is far and away the most powerful one of right. all of them. Mm -hmm. But I, th I think that really does uh, delineate my point, though, because you know, up until he gets, up until he connects with his family, he's willing to kill them. Yeah. And once he connects with his family, he realizes the error of his ways. That's why, again, I, I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I'm just saying, like, he is a villain of this movie, not irredeemable, because I do think he does redeem himself in certain parts. And I, I do actually really love the character of Icarus. I was very fascinated with it, mm -hmm. uh, with him. But I think that um, the fact that he goes too far and he has the realization that he goes too far is shows that the movie is trying to show that he is not a villain, not a bad guy, but someone who has gone off the path. You know what I'm saying? He's, mm -hmm. he's gone against the family and no one else does. And I, and that's why I think they, the movie is trying to make a distinction between him and the rest of them. And that's why he kills himself because he realizes he's the one of them that went too far. He, he was right in his convictions because that's what he was created for. But you know, I think what he does is he has a moment of, do I go with faith or do I go with family? And I think that's, he becomes a villain when he goes with faith, whereas everyone else goes with family without, like, Kingu goes with family without sacrificing his faith. So Kingu, what he does is the movie showing us that Icarus has another way. Yeah, well, they, so, when they all join the Unimind at the end, and that's how Cersei's able to do what, she's, what she does um then that's what i'm saying icarus is torn because he's yeah. gone too far he's like all right i've i've killed members of my family right and i was attacking them and then on the other hand with my faith you know as far as arisham goes i've obviously went against him both and that's why i show him crying because he's really yeah. torn both sides yeah. so the only way that's pretty much is out that's out it. into the sun literally yeah and, that, and that's pretty much that He's alienated everyone, though yes. the 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 tragic part of it is is the what Sprite teaches us is they would have welcomed him back even after that because Sprite tries to kill Cersei. You talked about that before. Sprite stabs yeah. her in the back, and then Cersei's like, "I'm going to turn you into a human. You're going to go with Kingu. We're, st we're still family." And I think that was the what the role that Sprite that Sprite uh, filled in that part of the movie is showing, yeah. They still would have, yeah. Icarus could have been redeemed if he felt he could have. Sprite felt she could have, so she was. 
Icarus felt he couldn't, so he couldn't be. And I and I, and I like the fact that they kind of make it down to choice. How guilty do you feel? How do you feel about your actions? And and that's why I think Icarus is such a a, a, a very interesting character because he's not evil. I think he's a villain in this yeah. because he goes against the antagonist and because he goes a bit too far. But at no point do I think he's evil. Yeah, well, and, it's kind of like what we talked about on Stargirl, actually. Yes. And I and what and what's really funny is that there are three technically technically there are three antagonists in this movie, and the one that we didn't talk about to this point. So Arisham is not he's not evil because he's no. just doing what he's always done and yeah. creating celestial. So he's Arishim's not evil. A, he's right, he's not the villain. He Arisham's a god. Arisham's right. a god who goes um, I don't care about lower life because I need to birth more guards, gods. Lower life is there to birth more gods. I'm just going to do what I do. And yeah, you're right. He's not evil. He just, he is a force of nature, right? He yeah, is right. like, he's like a hurricane. If a hurricane kills your family, you don't hate the hurricane because it's a force of nature. Right. And that's yeah. exactly what he's doing. Icarus was just working for, um, for Arishim and doing what he's supposed to do, which was, create more life it, you know yes life was going to end here but it was going to be created someplace else so that was so so the, he's not technically the villain the only villain was the deviants and we haven't even talked about that guy. well i was gonna say well, we gotta get to them we do gotta get to that but but i'm gonna say this though i don't think that last deviant was a villain either no he became self-aware essentially yeah. the, and the he grew a conscious and he was trying to survive against these people who were knocking them off. They were yeah. killing them. That was their thing. You're going to wipe out my race for survival? I'm going to wipe you guys out then. Yeah. He actually didn't even care about the humans at that point. They were just about wiping yeah. out the Eternals because the Eternals were wiping them out. So maybe maybe you can make the point. argument there is no villain in this movie. Technically. You can, you can make that. Right? It's, it's kind yeah. of where I was going with that was that you really can't... It's not clear-cut at all because here we are, you know, we're 50 minutes into this talk. Oh, yeah. We haven't even talked about the one guy who was really out to kill all of them. Right. Which was... The villain, yeah. I don't the, remember. The, what was his name? Did he have a name? Deviant. I think they had a name. He had a name, know. which was we found out later on was uh, was uh, Bill uh, Skarsgård that was Tony, his I, voice to him, which was great. I can't remember the names of characters I've watched on the CW when I've watched 30 <laughs> or 40 or 50 or 60 episodes. I'm still going like... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. David Bowie and uh, Matt Bomer. I have, I have no. Well, we got David names. Bowie for a reason, though. We do, but but I call her David Bowie because I don't actually remember her name. Oh my god, it's funny. <laughs> that is funny. There's, there's something I want to bring up with when you would you know what we're going to talk Crow. about the deviants now. But... Crow, Crow was the name of the head deviant. Crow. That's okay, it. Crow. There yeah, you go. That's him. Okay. So. Um, but there is something I want to bring up about that about that scene in London um, when we get to. Um, when we get to the post credit scene, so okay. Um, all right, so I guess let's let's do that. Let's talk about the mid credit scene before before we go to the credit scene. I have a question for you guys. I'm going to answer it first to give you time time to think. Okay, you're an eternal. Which eternal are you most like? I'm going to answer the question first. I'm King you, man. I am. I obviously couldn't be a Bollywood star because I'm not Indian. However, if I were an eternal with eternal life. And and I've been here forever, and my mission is done. I'm just waiting around. I am completely 
completely making myself like a, a superstar of a dynasty and getting a manservant and just like, I'm all about the Kingu life. That is who I am as eternal. He is my spirit eternal. Um, I, I actually said to my, my friend at work, I'm like, yeah, I'd be Kingu. He's like, you know, I, I could actually see you in a Bollywood movie. I'm like, it's not where I was going, but thanks, man. I could do the dances and stuff. I, I'm all for it. So that would be me. So I'm curious, which Eternal is your, like, spirit Eternal before we get into the end of the movie? Uh, man, that's a tough one because I think I, I told you my favorite is is Kingo. But I also, I mean, I also really like Thena as well. I, I was really into her character and I wanted to see more about that whole dynamic with her with the with the memories and stuff like that. Mm, and she that was, was like cool. A, she was a super badass, by the way. Who was, by the way, the one who was like, oh, because well, we didn't really yeah do we didn't talk about thing. that can we talk about that before yeah, we get to tony's yeah, answer give him more yeah, time to um, think she was like think, she, okay she was, sorry she That's was right. smiling and she was like you know about to fight icarus and she's like you know he says something along the lines of like oh well you've never fought me Tina. and then she smiles like well i've always wanted to yeah and she's like ready to fuck him up knowing mm-hmm. like she's been holding this in for a while she's wanted to test herself against him well, like you, heard really Fasto, you, you heard what Fasto. You heard what Fasto said. He, what did he say? He said, "He says I've been wanting to clip your wings for yes, quite some time." Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, some of them have kind of had yeah. it in for like you're And that's the thing; dick. it's like family, right? You yeah. don't always like mm-hmm. your family. You always sometimes you want to clip your family's wings, but you always got to be there for them, right? Yeah. That's kind of the way it works. Um, my favorite Thena moment was when uh, the the crow. Was about to like like he tricks her and he uses uh, Gilgamesh's voice and and he uses her like uh, her issue with memory and he's like okay come back or whatever the trigger word is and she comes back and she's got her hands thing and you think he's tied behind her back and you think she's gonna die and she like she destroys this guy like yeah. she literally vivisections this guy to the point in the theater when she cut him and he just fell mm-hmm. in different spots. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, he, he, he yeah. fell to pieces. I literally went, "What? Oh my yeah. god!" Like that was one of the coolest scenes in the movie, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, All right, Tony. So, it, so Tony, yeah, who, ahead, uh, who is your spirit animal? And I'm sorry to interrupt yet. No, no, go ahead. Eternal. I want to hear Tony because I might need uh, a, I, another second more. I'm I'm the smart ass. Um, yeah, I'm the smart ass Gilgamesh for sure. Mm. <laughs> Um, damn, I don't. I feel like I could I, see I that. I was actually gonna say that. Uh huh. Oh, I'm definitely am. I feel like can I you make me a pick somebody that's not Kingo. Damn, you can also I, pick Kingo. I mean, I, I pick... like the Kingo idea because we talked about that last night after the movie. Like, I was really into that whole like movie star thing, and you can make yourself a lineage. Yeah, and you were going. I mean, Bollywood obviously wouldn't work for me either, but I can go to Hollywood and try something there. I mean. Um, right, so, so we got two Kingos and a, <laughs> a Gilgamesh. The thing is, I, I generally enjoyed all of the characters for I different reasons. There wasn't any of them where I'm like, ah, oh, this person's boring. This person didn't do it for me. I found each one of them really fascinating, which is probably why I'm so on board with this movie because I was just, I was all in on all their their whole story. I loved the twist, you know, at the at the end of it and stuff like that, and like things that just different things the MCU hasn't done before. I was there for all of it, and I, I enjoyed a lot of it. That's why it kept me. The story kept me like hook, line, and sinker in. Um, but go I'll ahead, Jason. You, before we get, you, I, was, I want to get to the mid and post credit. All right, before the mid and post credit scene, one more thing. 
Um, I feel so at the end, right? Because we didn't really get to the end. Uh, they save the earth, and then Arisham comes and takes Kingu. Unfair, got it, yep. nothing to do with it. He, he, he was a conscientious objector. Um, who else did they take? Cersei, and who's the third one they take? Um, come on, what's his face? Damn it, with the uh, family. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. I forget yeah, the the inventor. I'm sorry, I'm I'm blanking on his name. So, Fastos. Um, Fastos. Fastos, thank you. So I love that Arishim comes. I love the way it looks when Arishim is just like, I'm here, I'm yeah. taking you. And I looked at Arishim, and I, and after after I saw this, I looked at him, and was like, I'm excited for Galactus because that looked awesome. The celestial in space looked awesome, and now oh. I'm like, all right, I want Galactus now. Please, please give me Galactus. And Tony, you saw this on IMAX, right? Also, because you always usually yes. just go. I saw it on IMAX for the first time. With Jason yesterday, because I said the other two shows were just regular. Screen. Yeah, I saw it on IMAX on Thursday. This um, movie at IMAX was like, wow. The whole insane. thing was yeah. like, holy shit. Yeah. The celestial stuff and, and everything like that. That was that was crazy. Agreed. Um, so let's let's chat about the mid-credit scene and then we get to the post-credit scene, which I saw Black Knight keeps on making an appearance with Jason. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, the mid-credit yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. Woo! Yeah, we, we get to the mid credit scene and we find out that some of the Eternals, it was Druig, Dina, and... I forget her name, but the, the one, the, the speedster. Tony, the speedster. Makari. Makari. There you go. They're off to go find the other Eternals to see if they're going like, to like tell them, hey, listen, listen the jig is up. This, this is what's going on here. Uh, and then Jason gets something he's been waiting for, apparently, for the first 20, 20-something movies here. Yeah. So that, I'm gonna I'm, go ahead, go ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna share something, guys. Is I love look. You guys should have seen this coming, and the fact that I told you one of my favorite comic runs is Cloak and Dagger. I mean, Jesus Christ! I'm like I am Rick Cedrez, like uh, on par with like <laughs> you and Rick. You and Rick have a definitely interesting uh, we, selection of characters. We do. So this should come as no surprise if you've been listening to me. But I have characters that I never talk about. No one knows that I'm a fan of. But I'm just I'm just waiting for them to come to the MCU so I can go, oh yes. And in this mid credit scene, we get one. You got one, Star Fox. No, no, no not even Star Fox. I got Pip. He wanted Pip. He's been waiting oh for Pip God. apparently for years. Are you serious? Absolutely. And let me tell you why, Tony. Let me have you read the Infinity Gauntlet run mm-hmm. with the original. Pip is an integral character. He's Adam Warlock's right hand man and comic relief. I love Pip in that run. It's the only thing I know him from. And when I found we were getting an Infinity Gauntlet, I was like, I'm never going to get a Pip. I have to understand that. I mean, fine. He's not going to be in this. But he is in this. And I'm very happy about it. Yeah. So that, that's, that's, yeah. So we get pretty much what Pat Oswald. up. We get Pat Oswald voicing Pip, which the CGI on that was a little wonky, but whatever. Eh. It'll be better next one. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great. But Harry Styles is Star Fox in the MCU. That was something. That was truly something. No, he looked fantastic. He looked perfect for for Star Fox. And so this what raised the question. I asked Ed this. We were discussing it. So he comes and he says, I'm an eternal, right? And I'm Thanos' brother. Mm -hmm. Does that mean? Thanos is an eternal. Oh, Pip says that's Thanos' brother. Does that mean Thanos is technically an eternal in this in in the MCU? 
I thought that Thanos was in a, I, yeah, I'm almost certain that he was an eternal. He was, if, he, he, he was unkillable. I mean, he was the, you know, the only way that he was defeated was through, was through the stones. I don't think in the MCU that that's actually his brother, like a brother, brother, like, like that. And also, I am not so sure that Star Fox is an Eternal, per se. Okay. So that's why I'm a little. But I don't think I don't. I never was under the impression that Thanos was an Eternal at any point. His home was Titan. I think he was very attached to it, in the sense that he was from there and a being from that, you know, planet. So I don't think it, I don't mean it. I don't think it's in a literal sense that that is actually it. I'm sure they're going to go into it more. And the questions that have been floating around there, is this going to open up the door for a return of Thanos at some point? Or obviously he's dead in the current timeline, but would we see him again at, at some point? With the multiverse, bro, I think anybody can come back. I don't think we've seen the last of Icarus, to be honest with you. I right, really don't. Maybe, maybe not. I don't um, think so. I, I think don't think you get. I don't think you get Richard Madden to play that part and then just have him disappear after one movie. I really honestly think that he he's got a, he's gonna come back he's gonna come back in some iteration somewhere. Yeah, and a surprising thing too is I saw that Selma Hayek had, had pretty much came out and said she signed a multi-year multi-picture deal with wow. Marvel. Yeah. So we're probably not going to see the last of Ajax either. Yeah, we'll probably see more of Ajax. But I mean, in in all seriousness, I mean, you know, if, if he was created um, by Arishem, I'm sure Arishem could just recreate him. So it's not as if I think that, yeah. you know, like that's their memories, I, I definitely, yeah, because their memories are all stored and everything like that, right? We find that out that right. Arishim keeps them. Um, but I think I the big, get my charger guys, hold on one second. Yep. Yeah. So I, I think the big shocker though of this is the post credit scene where Dane Whitman, who is introduced throughout the movie, he's given the, the ring for his family crest and everything by Cersei in the beginning. And then he has a secret that he needs to tell uh, Cersei about his family. And yeah, at the end of at the end of the, of, uh, the credits, he's opening up a box, which we find out he has the ebony blade that's there, who is which is the cursed ebony blade was passed around his family. And in the comics, Dane Whitman is the third person to take up the mantle of Jason's Black Knight. Jason's Black Knight. <laughs> yeah. For those um, of you listening to the podcast, I have my Black Knight action figure here. Hello, I'm the Black Knight. I've got the Ebony Blade. <laughs> so, I mean, for those who are a little unfamiliar, not to get too deep into it, but Black Knight is a pretty prominent Marvel character who is a member of the Avengers at one point. The Dane Whitman Black Knight is a member of the Avengers at one point. Leads the fair, Avengers briefly at one point. We've all been members of the Avengers, to be fair. That is true, and if you look at Marvel's <laughs> Marvel Wikipedia, they'll tell you that at one point he was a reserve member. Another time he was the leader of the Avengers, as we all have been. As we all look, I actually had a brief stint as a leader of the Avengers. Yes, I, it was a fabulous yeah. two months. It was a great two that. months. Uh, you know, I, I spent a lot of money and I partied a lot, which is why I was deposed. But hey, we had a good time. I think we did. I think we had a fantastic time. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that is pretty much what what is there, and but that's not even the biggest shocker nope. of this whole thing. Is there? No, there is a voice that is off screen that is Mahershala Ali. If you do not recognize it, and I will admit, 
the first screening, I did not recognize the voice immediately. Nope. I thought it was Samuel either. Jackson. Yeah, me too. Uh, oh, thank yeah. God. I don't feel so bad. Me too. Because nope, I thought Ed, it was Samuel Jackson. It goes, do you recognize the voice? I'm like, it sounds familiar. I'm like, is that Sam Jackson? He's like, no, nah, it's Blade. And my, of course I went, that was Wesley Snipes. But no, it's because that's who Blade is But Mahershali, yeah. No, and I wouldn't have recognized his voice. But love, love, love that. Yeah, and, and in the comics too, there is Blade has teamed up with Which, Black Knight in previous in, in pre- previous incarnations. So. I didn't know that. I, yeah. I'm like, we, guys, we are we are getting to a phase of the MCU where they are going really deep into these characters because they've burned a lot of their big characters. We're getting more big characters, but I, like, I love the fact that we're at the phase of the MCU where it's like, what if the Black Knight and Blade team up. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, come, I'm, I'm here for it. So we don't know when well, we're going to see Kit Harrington again. I mean, with this, they're obviously I, that's where this is going. Once again, we we, we you, you kind of knew when they cast Kit Harrington in an MCU movie that he was not just going to be a civilian, which is what yeah. they wanted you to believe. Yeah. So you knew that that you knew that wasn't going to be the case. But I want I, I wanted to bring this back up because in the beginning, in that scene in London where the deviants were around and they were trying to, they were going after just the Eternals, right? Mm-hmm. There was, they were leaving all the civilians alone, but there was one, one quote unquote civilian that they, they were chasing after and along with the Eternals. And that was Dane Whitman. Yeah. Wow. That, so, that's, I actually didn't notice that. That's a good I, point. I didn't notice it during the London scene, but later on, Icarus is explaining that they weren't even going after the humans. They were only coming after us. So when he said that, I went back and I'm like, well, no, they were, he was going after, uh, no, he was going after, uh, what's his name too? And then I, that's when I, that's what I realized. I'm like, no, 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 this guy is not just, he's not just a civilian. There's something else going on with him. So very, uh, you know, very good to, to, to get that. I th- Again, the casting I think is great. I like the fact that I like where they went with, with, you know, with everybody here and, um, it's you know they're, they 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 really set up a lot you know they, they set the, they set the secret wars up like mm-hmm. I mean it's just it's on you know it's it's there it's it's there and uh, is there is there a possibility that we have you know Thena and Star Fox and what and and that crew now is it possible that we see them you know show up on either Thor Love and Thunder oh I mean it's I think it's possible I mean maybe not Thor Love and Thunder but I think at some point. We're definitely going to get them in the Guardians or them in Thor because uh, King Gook says he knows King Thor. Gook he's like, drops Thor. Yeah, he does. Like, chase me around when he was a kid. Yeah, and now I can't get him to call me back. So, like, yeah. they're telling you they know these people, right? So that they're going to show up sooner or later, and that's why I thought Thor was going to be the uh, you know was going to be where he shows where they show up, which it's possible because you know the two cosmic um, the two cosmic scenes right now uh, themes right now are Guardians and you know, and Thor. Yeah, so and Thor. And they're going to be, be together. So, right. Yeah. Exactly. And I, and I think the big thing is to kind of like close this out is that this, this movie, again, to make them an Eternals movie at this point in the MCU, you've, you've earned that you've made over 20 something films. Mm-hmm. But I also think the reception to it is also been what it's been because it's not like guardians of the galaxy was the only other time they took a pretty big gamble at this point. But Guardians had things like Rocket and Groot and yeah. like kind of wacky. 
things to market around and to show you and things like that. And the Eternals was kind of doesn't really have that. You know, they're not really, it's not as comedic, it's not that. But not in a, and again, not in a bad way. I just think it's just a perception yeah. of the film from the outside until you see it. And then, yes, like we've agreed, it's more adult themed and things like that than most of the things that we've gotten. Right. And not like Guardians in that sense whatsoever. But I think it's it, like Jason had mentioned. It does give them more license to keep on pushing it. Where maybe we'll get a Black Knight movie, maybe we'll get a Disney Plus series. We have no idea. I mean, the, the writers of of the Eternals earlier today, an article that came out that said that they have ideas already in place. If Disney wants to do it, to do a Kingo Disney Plus series, or one based on Thena, as well. Those are two who I would love. I would to do, see yeah. like their background, like what the hell? Like I want to see. Kingo as the movie star and stuff like that in the past and throughout time. Kingo, I think you could do, but you're gonna have, you're gonna pay Angelina Jolie to be on a Disney Plus series. I don't know. That's gonna that's a good out. that that's actually a good point. I, I think mean, King- hey, the, the, the MCU seems to have like an endless pocket of money. So I mean, no, well they keep well, they keep making money. So because they yeah. print money, come on, yes, they yeah, print money. You, you know what happened when they when they put out uh, Black Widow, which you know a good movie, but not the greatest of movies. They printed money. You know what happened when they put out Shang-Chi, which I loved? They printed money. You know what happened with this? They printed money. They print money with every movie. So they can do whatever they want at this point, you know? They could afford Angelina Jolie if they wanted to spend the money. Well, they wouldn't hire her if they really couldn't afford her either. So I I just – and um, when we're wrapping this up, I just want to bring up one more thing with uh, with Disney uh, afterwards. So let's just wrap this first. Yeah, no. So, but I think that's it regarding it. Uh, there's a lot of possibilities, and at the end of the credits, it also says the Eternals will return. Will return. Which yep. They do now. And, we don't and know they if set that's going to be. A they sequel. set up a nice sequel. I mean, it, yeah. it could be a sequel because the whole thing is like Star Fox is there, like your friends are in trouble. Let's go save them, and yeah. we see their friends be pulled away by Arish and the Celestial. Like, if that's a ter- if that's where the Eternals return, I'm in. Wherever they return, the story is set. This movie set up plenty of sequel possibilities. You have, like you just said, you have that half of the Eternals, two halves of the Eternals to explore. You got Black Knight to explore. You got tons of things to go to go with. So it, it's already it's already there. It's already set up for you. Um, but Tony, I have a feeling uh, I know where you're going with it about tomorrow. No, no, Friday. tomorrow. Sorry, yeah. Friday. Dis- yeah. Disney Disney yes. Day. Disney Plus Day. So Disney has announced that uh, on Friday, uh, a Disney Plus Day, that they are going to add Shang-Chi to the Marvel um, uh, stable of movies that they have, uh, that they offer for Disney Plus. But it's going to be the first movie that they offer in IMAX format, which Mm -hmm. I think is going to be tremendous. And not only is it going to be tremendous, but they're going to go back and they're going to do other Marvel films in the IMAX format as well. So I just wanted to see what you guys think about that now having the ability to be able to stream that i can't wait because i mean uh i don't even know when does shang chi drop because i pre-ordered friday. it friday. Oh, oh well the... it drops on disney plus friday no no i'm talking about the blu-ray uh november 30th november 30th right i'm no i'm gonna watch shang chi this weekend in that imax format and see what this is about on a, on a TV mm-hmm. at home. I mean, I don't even know how that's going to work, but the aspect well, I, ratio is, is supposed to be IMAX. 
It is. It is like you know if if you and if you watch if you watch the Dark Knight like that beginning scene the bank robbery scenes are shot with IMAX cameras. Yeah. And when you watch it at home, it it's full screen, so mm-hmm. it's amazing to see it that way. So to, and I think the first movie to be fully filmed in IMAX cameras was Endgame. Yes, I believe so. So that should be interesting. Also, when they it's not going to happen right away. They're going they're going to release a few of them in, with, with the with the IMAX format, but Infinity War and, and Endgame will be a little later on. Um, I'm not exactly sure when, but yeah. So so Shang Chi and I, I don't know if you saw this. I know you you're you're a big Steelbook guy like I am. I went to pre-order it from Best Buy, and it's not available to pre-order yet. Only the regular version is right is is available to pre-order. Um, I thought I pre-ordered the steelbook of Shang Chi. I went as I went last week my app right now. today, and it said that it's coming soon. Interesting. Uh, my purchases. Sorry, I'm gonna go and uh, dilly dallying on this right here. No, I, I did pre-order it. I pre-ordered it last week. Wow, then maybe it sold out. It's that, yeah. I ordered No Time to Die and Halloween Kills, but. Um, yeah, I want Steelbook nuts for a well, couple I, Well, yeah, well, I've been doing it too because, you know, because Amazon now has still got that problem with Disney. They don't, you can't pre-order on, on Amazon. So I typically pre-order the MCU, the MCU movies through Best Buy, and I like the Steelbook, so I've been pre-ordering yeah. everything with that. So I was pre-ordering, I went to pre-order Shang-Chi and uh, Venom and couldn't do the uh, couldn't do the Steelbook for Shang-Chi, so I, I was wondering maybe... You, know, you, pre- you pre-ordered Venom Let There Be Carnage? Yep. You never did not pre-order it? Did that? This guy. I regrettably bought Venom on streaming only on through Voodoo because of this show. Because I couldn't find it anywhere else. Mm-hmm. I bought it and I didn't mm-hmm. want to pay $7.99. I was actually angry about it. And you know who I didn't buy because of that? Did not buy the Amazing Spider-Man. I rented that on Voodoo because I won't even buy it. Oh God! Oh wait, no, you just reminded me. Oh God, damn it! So that takes us into next week when we will oh, be resuming no. our Spider-Man rewatch, our ent- our journey Look. to the live-action Spider-Verse. Even though one of them is not live-action. I all right, yeah, but that, that and that's the, the great one. Yes, that is but a great. That is a great. I want to point yeah. out. That I have avoided, like I know I said this for Venom, right? But but I, Venom is not one I avoided seeing. Venom is one I did not see. Yes, this is a movie I have avoided seeing. If it comes on cable, I turn the channel. That is how much I don't want to see this movie. And now I have to watch this movie. And yep, whatever. Thanks. Whatever, guys. All right, whatever. As Marin, I only watched it once, so. <sighs> As Baron Mordo once told Doctor Strange, the bill has come due for you. <laughs> That's friend. right. Like I've had, I've had a good run on this show. I've, I've made you guys watch trash with me because I like trash. And you're right. the The bill has come for me. The bill has That's come due. Uh, I've, so I've got to pay the bill. We'll be back next week with our movie of the week, which, if you haven't guessed, is. Unfortunately, the Amazing Spider-Man Two. So we'll be diving. We'll be diving into that next week because we got to finish our Spider-Man run before we get to our next MCU film, though, which is a little over a month away. Spider-Man: No Way Home, yeah. which people can't stop talking about. 
not you know nonstop on our page. It's constantly there's leaks everywhere. There's not leaks everywhere. There's real leaks. There's fake leaks. There's leaks. Follow John Campion for those. Follow John Campion for that because that was a whole fiasco that was like insane. That was totally insane. Um, yeah, but we'll be looking into the Amazing Spider-Man 2 next week. We'll be talking about the Doom Patrol season three finale next I'm week. I'm excited for that. I am excited for that. Next episode of Legends, next episode of Batwoman, and we get a season premiere of The Flash. Which oh, yeah. it is, okay. yes, the Flash is back next and week. Is the Flash you or me? I forget. It's been a while since I watched the Flash. Do I? Do I? Do I drive us or do you drive us? Uh no, I drive us for the Flash. Oh, so, okay, good. good, good uh, yes, because yeah, you're because I got a lot. A, a lot now. I got a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so come join us next week. No, I'm jacked up for the Flash because I am jacked. Season, I am too. The season finale. I mean, the season premiere is part one of the Armageddon crossover with Black Lightning and David Bowie. <sighs> And Batwoman and everyone and their mother and Ray Palmer's coming back as Adam. So awesome. Look, it should be it should be pretty wild. So you um, had me in Black Lightning and I'm staying for Ray Palmer. <laughs> there we go. Uh, no, so thanks for joining us again. Uh, check out Pop Culture Pros. Hit the subscribe button if you're watching us on YouTube. Uh, if you're on Twitter, follow us. Follow Pop Culture Pros as well. Same thing on Instagram. If you're checking us out on Facebook. Go ahead, like Pop Culture Pros, like the uh, join the group of Granny's Peach Tea. We have a bunch of stories we talk about every single day. Join the daily conversation that don't make the show because the show would be nine hours long every week. But, you know, jump in. We have a lot of fun on a daily basis. Um, yeah, so th that's all good. If you're into wrestling, you can check out the Just Too Sweet show. They're usually on Tuesday nights. Not sure when they're coming back. But I know this Tuesday, though, we got promises about shooting the Sith. Is going to make their premiere next Tuesday. I'm excited. Tim's show. We, we will see. And, Tony, we are being held to what we said a year ago. Oh, boy. We will be, we will be on. Special. Yes, Jason and Tony and I will be on Shooting the Sith at some point soon. I'm excited. We'll have Granny's oh. PhD in Shooting the Sith as we discuss the Star Wars, the infamous Star Wars holiday special. That should be a blast. I'm going to tell you a story real quick about the holiday special. Last year, two years ago, I had some friends over, and we we got a little uh, non-sober. And one of them said, I, I had mentioned that I just watched the holiday special. They went, I really want to see it. Can you put it on? I'm like, you don't want to see it. Like, no, put it on. So I found it on YouTube. I put it on. 20 minutes into it, he turns to me. He goes, I feel really uncomfortable. Can we stop watching this? And I was like, why do you think I told you you didn't want to? I told you you didn't want to watch it. We're all going to be very uncomfortable during that one, pal. Oh, we are. It's going to be terrible. We're you know all going to be uncomfortable. This is my kind of bad. Not This is an Amazing Spider-Man 2 bad where it's like watching a good friend be, get the shit beat out of them. Mm. This is uh, this is bad where I'm like, oh, my God, what's going a whole on? Nother, there's a whole nother level of, of, of bad. Who slipped me acid? Because I am obviously tripping watching this. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, so look out for that. Uh, if you're into uh, football, we have two shows. If you're into the New York Giants, you can check out the We Stomp You Out show uh, with Farachi and Tim and, and the fellas. Uh, you can also check out on Sportsmanlike Conduct, which actually I guessed, guessed it on yesterday because Tim needed some help and had, you know, just Dave and that was it. So I jumped on. We had a good time talking about that. Uh, a to Z will be back when uh, Eric is done farming, wherever he's farming. Yeah, yes, he's, that actually is a thing. So He's farming. Can't make uh, it up. 
I actually really hope when he comes back to A to Z, he does F for farming. And he, oh, he does it give... in coveralls. And like oh, God, I would be oh, great if Lord. he didn't cover. Like, arrogant coveralls, like, yes. oh, with a pitchfork? Yes. That's you know, like, all right. Maybe on a tractor. Oh, an attractor with a piece of straw in his mouth. Oh right. my! I would. I I should be the producer of his show. I'm just saying. <laughs> Talk to Dave. Get bump Dave out of there. He'll let you in. Uh, yeah. So check it out. We'll see you next week. Tony, thanks for joining us. Thanks Tony, for, great to see you, man. Uh, seeing you again. Uh, great seeing Jason, you guys. As always. As always, my friend. And you guys enjoy the amazing Spider-Man too. And we hope to have the three of us next week to talk about this fiasco. All right. Mm. And anyone out there, if you haven't seen it, I can't say the words to watch it. But no, uh, if you ha- if yeah. you haven't seen it, you do listen, what to, I have... listen to us bitch about it. It's fine. This one I'm gonna tell you to do. If you haven't seen it, do what I have done and listen oh. to this podcast. Like I have listened to twenty pod. I know everything about this movie because I've listened to many podcasts about bad movies about it, and I've never seen it. So listen to us and don't see it. That's what I'm suggesting. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Yeah, guys.